Welcome to A Word of Influence, episode 11. We are gearing up for E3, as I like to call it. Kind of like a gear second, I don't know. Like a one-piece thing. Uh, today, we have Alex Sutton again, uh, A-Boy, and actually a new A-Boy, and Seth Fulkerson. So, welcome to the team, man. I'm glad to have you both on. Like, I know we're all friends, but let's just go ahead and see how well we mesh, you know, so we can rock the mic together once E3 comes apart. Now... As we center towards video game side of the word of influence, I'm the question I'm going to open up with you for you guys is, what game, in your opinion, has made a huge impact in gaming? You're going to have to define that question a little bit, <laughs> like because for in your opinion, what game has made a huge impact? Seth, you answer first. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh... An impact. Oh, by the way, I'm the new A boy. A boy. Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I just wrote down a very generic answer. Okay. Like a because you know there's there's been multiple impacts. Yeah. <laughs> through the uh, the gamescape. Um, I guess just Super Mario Brothers. Um, just because, like, there were platformer games before. Super Mario Brothers, like 2D ones, mm -hmm. uh, but that one had like smooth scrolling, like really smooth. It wasn't like draggy. Uh, Storyline. Um, it was one of the first games that taught you how to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, at the beginning. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like the. Not to mention, like the system it was played on could actually run it like effectively perfect. Like right. whereas like other platformers before it, you know, like. It was actually difficult to play them. Mm -hmm. Like Super Mario Brothers was actually like a clean, really well done, well animated, beautiful game. Right. Like um, Donkey Kong was really like the shattering point, like the arcade one, 1980 uh, one, where it had like the first like story, like cinematic kind of story, and like an arcade game. Before that, it's like shoot the fucking aliens, you know. Yeah. But, um, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. But yeah, uh, Barry, would you like to elaborate more on what okay. you mean by your question? <laughs> In your opinion, like, here's a prime example. When we looked at games like Breath of the Wild, it seemed to have made a huge impact on RPGs. What game in your theory, if we were to look at this genre, excluding the Nintendo Switch, has made a huge impact in gaming? In RPGs? Or any. Just gaming. Just in gaming. Okay. <laughs> Does uh, that make sense? Uh, so, I was between like a bunch of games. Like Super Mario Brothers was the first one that came to mind. Obviously, uh, before that was Pong because you know the advent of video games, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, computer games and stuff like that. And then you know you move forward. You have Japanese RPGs like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, and that kind of blew the door wide open. And then you have games like uh, Super Mario sixty four. You know, bringing in three D platformers and revolutionizing motion physics in video games. Add that as well, and all that sure. stuff is like super important. Mm -hmm. But like when I think about video games, especially like in my adult life, uh, I always come back to one game that I feel like has had the biggest impact, at least in my life, since I really started cognitively playing video games and experiencing them and stuff like that. And that is the original Bioshock. Yeah, <laughs> like you said previously. And that's just because the uh, the original Bioshock, like there are story games before. The original Bioshock, and there are story games after the original Bioshock, and I don't think any game before or after has had 
the same level of excellence when it comes to environmental storytelling, when it comes to having solid gameplay mechanics, when it comes to telling you a story through the world and not just being like a dumb, like, hey, go save the princess thing, you know, which is great and prototypical and the birth of the genre. But I feel like Bioshock is like the perfect evolution of, you know, environmental storytelling. Well, game I felt like made a huge impact, which might throw some people off. Might be The Last of Us. Hmm. Yeah. Just the idea of, I know we got the zombie apocalypse, we get that in like The Walking Dead and shows, but you actually see the characters feel for each other as they continue this journey and like the actual gameplay of like you have to heal like real time or the ability of the storytelling is just great. Because like you've even said a couple of times that uh, you refuse to play the game again. Yeah, I used to. I'm going to play it again at some point. Oh, you are? I'm going to play it again at some point. <laughs> I was that way in like the first year and a half after playing it just because uh, I hate zombies. I hate them. I can't stand oh, yeah. them. I think it's just a dull and boring genre. But when I played that game, I actually gave like a logical explanation for something like that to happen. And uh, it's just like the very interpersonal kind of story, the you know transition of watching a character grow up and adolescence and stuff like that. Like I think The Last of Us is probably like the before Uncharted 4, the most cinematic game I ever played, and the best game to ed- execute that cinematic kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe ever. I mean, Uncharted mm-hmm. 4 is still up there, but... <laughs> Have you played Uncharted? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the Uncharted games. Well, Naughty Dog's just good at that. Like, yeah. Like the... What aren't they good at? Their, uh, <laughs> their performance capture and, and uh, storytelling is probably a part, you know, it sets the bar for the yeah. rest of the industry, so I see what you mean. Uh, going back to Bioshock, play system shock or any of the other shocks i played before. a little bit of system shock but the problem like i actually mentioned this the first time i talked to him about bioshock infinite which is actually my favorite video game like i've ever played mm-hmm. um but bioshock the original bioshock like i know that story elements of it are similar to system shock 2 because that was the first game kim levine ever worked on like as a creative director so um but i still think that like the uh the environmental storytelling in Bioshock is what sets that game apart from the System Shock series. Because, you know, like, when you're, when you're going through Bioshock, like, the Rapture tells you a story just in the different areas you go to. You know what I mean? Like, the characters that are still alive in Rapture, like, just their weirdness. Like, there's a character that's totally inspired by Salvador Dali. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just his, like, funky, crazy, surrealist art, like, you know... Uh, what do you like, System Shock or? Oh yeah, I mean I love Bioshock. I mean who doesn't? It's a, it's a, it's a great, I didn't play yeah. it. <laughs> really? I haven't played. I told you. You haven't played fucking Bioshock, dude. I thought I told you. And you're you doing that. a podcast about video games. I know, right? Um, I told you the first person thing, so it I even said that. I think it definitely owes a little bit of that to Half Life as well, though. Oh Based really? On environmental. Have you played any of the Half Life? I actually games? haven't, but it's it's like kind of like the same. Thing. I mean, of course. It's kind of like the same thing, like the environment telling a story through your eyes and everything, but it's in terms of like narrative com- uh, competentness. Uh, it's it's uh, not as not not as good as Bioshock, but that's that's a whole different level. I guess like Half Life. I've always wanted to play Half Life. Like I've always wanted to play System Shock, but um, like growing up, I never really had a PC that was really capable of playing video games. Mm-hmm. So I missed out on a lot of those PC games. Like when the Orange Box collection came out, I played Portal for the first time. Thought it was great. I never made it past Portal because it was like a rental, and I, <laughs> you know. But um, but yeah, I've always wanted to play Half Life just because I've I've heard that, you know. But just for like 
console experience, like like the narrative of Bioshock is so interesting. And I guess since Perry hasn't played it, we probably shouldn't. You've already spoiled so, it. Sonora, um, Sonora, we recently played through it for the first time. Bioshock? Uh, yeah, like a, I think like a year ago. <laughs> so it's really it's still fresh, and uh, yeah, it's really good. The twist is unreal. It's so good. It, it is one of the best. <laughs> yeah. Like just like I feel like there's like like I was saying like there are a lot of like writers and like games media and stuff like they they write about that game constantly. You know what I mean? And, and like in Prey that just came out. Like I, I gotta play that game. I do right too. Up my alley, yeah. Man. Like ever since I played Bioshock, like I've just I've gravitated towards games like that. Like even mm-hmm. when Wolfenstein came out, like I was like, man, this is just like a big dumb Nazi Bioshock. So I went and got it. And I loved that game. It was great. Um, and then the same thing with the new Doom. Like like they take that little, game kicks ass. It's so good. It was my new, game of the year last year. New Doom sure. game. Yeah. Ryan Rose that they came out. With. I was gonna mention Doom when I was running through games earlier too. <laughs> like the original yeah. Doom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, like uh, Doom even took little nods from Bioshock, like like mm-hmm. the the audio diaries and oh yeah, that's everywhere now. Exactly, that's... like but like the way you progress, the way you find them, collectibles, little puzzles and stuff, you know. Uh, mm. Bioshock is a must play, like mm. like yeah. just in general. Like anyway, my my point that I'll get back to was the the thing about how writers are always constantly talking about uh, video games in a sense, story in video games, like consistently with Bioshock because of. The twist that Seth mentioned. How, how it is told. It can yeah. only be told. And I agree. I think that's... Those are the best stories that games can tell or are stories that can only be told within a game narrative. Mm. Like in the context of a video game. Yeah. Like, exactly. Or like uh, The Witness. Like I haven't played it yet, but, yeah. but I've heard a lot of stuff about how that game is like a unique experience specifically to a video game. Like to the genre. It's, yeah, I've like... I, like yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out because, like, you guys seem to enjoy it. My dad enjoys it. He's like, you just got to, like, test yourself. It's not that long either. No, it's really not. It's, it's like 10 hours or... I mean, it just depends on like, how you play it, really, yeah. and what difficulty really. you play it. It's, it's hard. It is not an easy video game, I'll say that much. Well, Depending on... Unless you play it on easy. Yeah, unless you play it on easy, which is... I mean, everything. Well, uh, a little wimp if you do that. Well, I play Dark Souls, and you play Bloodborne. It's not Dark Souls. So. It's, it's not, not, it's not that level. It's a completely different kind of difficulty. Oh, well, I think I compare every difficulty after that. You like that. Resident Evil, though, right? Love Resident Evil. Okay, well, Bioshock, in, in essence, is like a... Kind of like a mixture of an arcade shooter with RPG-like elements and a survival horror game. Mm. So it's a lot like Resident Evil in that sense, I guess, except it's a first-person shooter and it's way more difficult than Resident Evil ever could be. And the story is leaps and bounds better. (laughs) The typewriters. I think it's interesting you guys say that. The puzzles are kind of... How that changed game game and not like games like Halo. So I'm just kind of curious what Oh, I, I mean, there, I, Perry, I have like a thousand examples of games that change the landscape. I mean, Halo didn't, like, Halo was important for console shooters, just like GoldenEye was important for console shooters. Like, mm-hmm. Is it, or do you think it was more important in retrospect? In retrospect? I mean, I, I recently played through all the Halo games for the first time, all the way through. One you know, I did five. that last year for the first yeah. time, too. So. Yeah. Never, I've only played the third one and played it all the way through. I was like, well, this is great. I, I mean, know, right? they're, they're good. They're kind of narratively weak. They're really repetitive. But, I mean, they're just, they, they took the concept of a, of a PC, because Bungie was a Mac developer. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess still PC. And they, they just took that experience and, and transplanted it onto the... Console. I mean, it's still important, especially Halo 2, uh, online multiplayer and everything. Like, it's 
but I mean, like, what kind of examples are you are you looking for? You're like, giving all the great examples. Give you many. Like yeah. Alex said uh, previously, Super Mario 64, um, literally the the blueprint for 3D games and how their cameras work. And I mean, you have to think um, at the time, people didn't know what the f they didn't know what the fuck to do with 3D games, like the context of where the camera would be, what the perspective would be, how you would even control a character in a three-dimensional environment like that that's all stuff we take for granted now but i mean super mario 64 was like okay you have an analog stick like a you know kind of like a joystick that you'd be used to you know but it, control it with your thumb and you just go in all directions 300 it's technically it's not all the way 360 degrees but i mean you said you played you played dark souls right yeah okay so like on to your point like z targeting and the Legend of Zelda, yeah. Ocarina of Time, mm -hmm. like that, I mean, the 64 era, like, do you know how that came about? No. Okay, so I believe it was Koizumi, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Koizumi was out, like, watching, like, a, uh, what is it, a kendo match or, or something like that. So, it's one of the traditional Japanese stage play. He, yeah, and, like, uh, they were doing some sort of, like, sword fighting, and, you, and they were, like, circling around each other. And he was thinking about, like, how he could do successful sword combat in Ocarina of Time. And he basically came up with the idea of, like, you know, you lock on to something, and whenever you move around it, you... you the circle around? Basically, yeah, you're following... Like it. a dance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which was... I mean, I love reading that story, because, I mean, that guy is, like, behind so many of, like, the, the amazing games that Nintendo has published in the past, like, 15 years. Like, and that's why he's the lead on Odyssey, right? Koizumi? Is he? Uh, Koizumi, um... I'm not sure. He's a he's a producer on several. He's been a producer on several Nintendo titles. I know he was uh, either creative director or executive producer on Super Mario Galaxy, and then he oversaw production of Super Mario Galaxy Two. Yep. Uh, he worked on Ocarina. He's worked on a bunch of Zelda games. I think I think it's Koizumi that was doing the uh, was doing Odyssey. I think it was him that did the Switch reveal too. But. Yeah, it was definitely him. They let him. They had to have like the goofy, fun Japanese yeah. man. Yeah. Now that Iwata passed away, like I said, like the when we talk about, like I said, yeah. when we talk about Impact. I feel like I know everyone says Super Mario World is the biggest thing, like you know, for open world platforming game to be their favorite. But I enjoy Mario Galaxy the most. What do you mean, Super, Super, Super Mario World is in like the the SNES? Game? Yeah, no, no, the Nintendo sixty four Mario sixty four Mario sixty four. Everyone says, like, yeah, that's my favorite, but, like, I always go, like, no, Super Mario Galaxy made me enjoy Mario the most. Okay. I know that sounds weird. Well, I mean, <laughs> Mario 64 subjective. is very, pro <laughs> yeah, subjective, it's very prototypical. I mean, you know, it was the first, one of the first fucking 3D games. Yeah. People didn't know what to do. Like, you saw that game, you saw Bubsy 3D. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just two different approaches. Point of choose. One of, yeah, yeah, one of them didn't fucking work, but... Yeah, Bubsy do. But, I mean, of course you're going to like Galaxy more. Mm -hmm. It's it's more... I mean, it's a little bit of a different uh, gameplay style. It's a little more linear, but, you know, they've had a decade plus to, to refine on their ideas. Yeah. And also, I mean, you have to consider the fact that Nintendo not only taught you how to play 2D platformers, but they also <laughs> taught you how to play 3D platforming games. And, like, the most, like intuitive sense you could ever imagine i mean think about the beginning you played super mario 64 yeah you come out of that tunnel the yeah. beginning of the game the game just teaches you how to play it like yeah. and it's just intuitive that's the best thing about nintendo games they're always intuitive and perfect in that way i mean z targeting when you learn how to z target in ocarina of time it's just you're like okay. it should have always been this way like, <laughs> yeah i can't believe yeah. it was ever not like this yeah you know? but personal question as we're on the topic of zelda do you want another 3D or do you want another 2D Zelda? 
I'll take both. I'll take either. <laughs> either. <laughs> I'll take either or both. Yeah. I mean, like, I loved playing Breath of the Wild, but when I think back on the last, like, six years worth of games, like, Ocarina 3D and Majora 3D were really great, but, like, the standout moment for me was uh, Link Between Worlds. Just because, like, having that game, it's, it's a sequel to, before Breath of the Wild, probably the greatest Zelda game. We can have that discussion later. <laughs> yeah, we Link will. To the have, past? Yeah. I'm not going to fight you on that. <laughs> best Zelda game. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll about that later. it's a sequel to that game, which you know holds a lot of very special, a very special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And like, and everybody was just kind of like, "Oh, I want a 3D game," and blah blah blah. And it's like this game is amazing. You just have to sit down and play it. Yeah, know? like I enjoy platformers and two side scroller. There's no difference as long as the game can perform perform in a way that makes you think and enjoy the actual concept of it then there shouldn't be any problem because like i've told you like off air multiple times like i'm enjoying persona 5 like mm. like this shit's great like i just can't yeah. believe i missed out on this whole shit right now it's pretty good but anyways let's switch it up a little bit guys there's this thing like where i've seen on the internet or social media where there seems to be a negative negative term with the word. Negative side effect when you call someone a casual gamer. Can you tell me why? Why there's a negative connotation? Because yeah. people who invented that term are fucktards. Yeah. <laughs> decided that it was... It's just another stupid label, Perry. That's all. Yeah. I think people on the internet are just kind of assholes, depending yeah, on go. where you go. And <laughs> if you want to subscribe to that kind of ideology, that's your business. But mm-hmm. I just, I, and not you specifically, I just mean people in general. But like, I, I don't know. I have no use for that kind of terminology. Yeah, because like, I know some mm-hmm. people will say like, well, they don't even identify themselves as a gamer. I'm like, well, how can you sit there and say that if you play video games? Can I tell you something? I'm so sick and tired of hearing what people identify as. <laughs> I know, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Wish I could fist pump you know, <laughs> on audio format. But yeah, lab- lab- labels are dumb. No, labels are dumb yeah. as fuck. I'm just curious. What, I'm like, I'm just saying that you play video games, but I don't say that you're not. If, if they want to call me a gamer, they can go ahead. But yeah. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't go around and like acknowledge it. That I am yeah. a fucking gamer. Hashtag nerd. <laughs> Hashtag gamer. But there's no reason for me to do that. Like, if, yeah. if you know me for more than five seconds or go to this uh, room that we're recording in, you'll figure it out real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or that, that fucking madman seam list is enormous. What's wrong with him? Yeah. I just think it's weird that people sit there, oh, you're just a casual gamer. I'm like, well, some people make money just playing Call of Duty. I mean, people who play games casually, like no labels associated, probably enjoy them just as much as anybody else. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I don't see why there needs to be a negative connotation with it. Yeah, I just I just think it's weird that there is kind of a negative connotation. Cognitation with it. There's a negative connotation to everything. I mean, especially in 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 a uh, subtext of people or subgenre. Not Jesus fucking Christ. You're good. Subgroup, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. of people like. Um, I mean, you have to. I have a big problem with like games media because I feel like they kind of propagate uh, forcing issues like a lot. Like like you know, giving a game a poor score and then. Like, uh, like IGN a lot, like people go on there and then like, they'll say something just totally radical about a, about a game everybody loves and they'll be like, yeah, argue with me about it. And then when people argue with them about it on Twitter, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm just expressing my opinion and stuff. And oh. I'm just saying that I feel like people in the gaming industry kind of 
attract uh, controversy and kind of like just they make issues where there don't need to be any and I feel like it's just something that's fun and kind of dumb and it's you, it's there to be enjoyed it's not there to be so yeah complex. like I said IGN's a good platform <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah whatever. I, I still sometimes. like it. It's real sometimes. to me, damn it. <laughs> sometimes. They're, they're okay. Only a couple. Shout out to Jose hey, Otoro. Hey, hey, Perry. Fuck IGN. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, I don't mean to call out IGN specifically. Like, yeah. I feel like Destructoid has been the worst about it in the past few years. Like, They've been garbage anyway. Dude, look at look at time. every major release, and Destructoid literally gives every single game either a 6 or a 7. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm, I'm just or saying. worse when they had Jim Sterling with them. I'm oh, just my saying, God. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Shout out to Pierce Schneider and Jose Otoro. Hey, I, I like Chris Schneider. I like Chris Schneider. And I, li- I liked Colin Moriarty when he was there. But after Greg <laughs> Colin left and Max Scoville joined, and they, oh. they became, hey, let's just talk about nerd stuff instead of actual okay, video okay, games. Okay, I'm more of a GameSpot man myself. Uh, I liked GameSpot, with... but then Danny O'Dwyer left. And I was like, okay, I have, I know. I have no reason to watch the second one. But the thing, giant bomb, but the thing is, I think I love Giant Bomb. I think I only three people. I only watched three people, Pierce Snyder, Jose Otaro, and Naomi Kao. Don't care about anybody else on that fucking <laughs> Anyway, I feel, like we, I feel like we derailed. I no, no, we're still on topic. We're talking about uh, kind of just like negative connotations no. and stuff in the gaming industry. And stuff like that. This is what this is for. Dive deeper. And then, are we good? <laughs> we're good. Okay, let's talk about the history of these three consoles. Franchises or companies or whatever you want to call them. Companies, probably. Yeah, probably companies. Starting with you, because honestly... Well, Perry, that's... <laughs> I have quite a few notes, because if that. you want to go through the history, that's, let's, let's that's a very with... lengthy and detailed topic. Let's go with Nintendo first. How about I see what you guys know first, so I don't repeat the same thing over and over again. Okay. Um... I don't want to make it like a trivia match. Not, I did trivia. Just, I, yeah. I recently gave tri- trivia to Perry on Dragon Ball. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I'm not going to get any of those right, so how, let's just... Uh... How old is Nintendo when they start? Oh, Christ. <laughs> not, uh, no, no, don't, don't give me exact years. What year did they start? That's easy. Uh, 79. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, are we considering, are we counting the time that they were just a toy company, like card company? Yeah, that's interesting shit. Um, because I want to say that's like early 1900s, right? Like just as a ballpark. Yeah. Um, Nintendo was founded, uh, in 1889. 1889. As yeah. a uh, card company. They were originally called uh, Nintendo, uh, playing cards. Um, and they stayed that way for a really long time. Did you um, know this? Yeah. They're old as fuck. Yeah. Uh, they're very, tra- they were very, still are in some, they definitely still are a very traditional, uh, Japanese company with, a. Uh, well, they were privately held for a long time, but with a, a family dynasty of uh, uh, presidents and CEOs, yeah. and, and, and until Satoru Iwata, R.I.P. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Based, uh, the Nintendo that we know know them as uh, started sometime in the late '70s. That's when they really started getting into uh, electronic uh, games. Uh, they had the Game and Watch, uh, color TV games, which were like. You know anything about old consoles? Um, the Pong consoles were like a big thing before uh, what we know is like interchangeable game tr- cartridges, whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, before before I go any further into that, um, 
<laughs> you guys fine. are aware that Nintendo is not all uh, roses and. Uh, oh my god, I couldn't be more course. aware actually. Yeah. I mean, oh. Nintendo did some pretty sketchy things to other companies, yeah. like when they were rising up mm-hmm. through the ranks. Like, are you referencing the uh, like the Capcom, not Capcom, uh, Atari thing, yeah. like Atari Tengen? Yeah, uh, but not well. Tengen Tengen's the company that Atari yeah. came right. Yeah, yeah, that. God, Atari's a whole separate podcast. Like, how that company yeah. got fucked, unfucked. <laughs> the Atari today is not the same company. Like, really? Like, three times. Dude, oh my God, yes. Well, this, this is right, because um, I don't <laughs> Anyway, uh, not just that. It's like, what? A, yeah, they fucked Tingin real bad, but... Um, oh, yeah. Just the price fixing, the antitrust, uh, all that stuff that they were responsible for. Uh, but really, I want to start with the man who led the charge, uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi. Uh, Yamauchi. I probably it sounded really fucking southern. Uh, <laughs> Yamauchi? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was... Uh, uh, I forgot to write it down. I think he was the... He wasn't the next in line, but I think he was the only one who was available. Um, the other guy went on to do something else. Brought shame to the family name. Some kind of shit like that. Uh, Hiroshi was really young uh, when he uh, came into Nintendo. I think he's 23, 22, or something like that. And, you know, uh, Japanese culture is real steeped in uh, respect, especially in a, in a workforce. Uh, so the first thing that he did uh, was fire everyone who had been there, all the managers, uh, their whole lives, and essentially left them uh, homeless and penniless because yeah. uh, he wanted uh, them to respect him. Uh, he uh, He's an ass. I mean, he brought us... It was pretty much uh, his doing that brought us some of the best games ever made because yeah. he had like an unreal like intuition when it when it came to the quality of games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I mean it doesn't really matter in the long run. But he's very adulterous. So it was a not an unknown thing. Uh, Nintendo had a chain of love hotels, which if you're unfamiliar with those, basically prostitution. Yeah. Um, Wait, really? Um, yeah, they, yeah. It's still it's it's still still a thing in some minor some districts parts. of and uh, prefectures in Japan. Yeah. But yeah, they, they had those. They had like a taxi company. He basically started a bunch of ventures after he fired everybody. Like he thought playing cards were outdated and they would couldn't keep up with the rest of the world. So he wanted to do a whole lot of things. The the love hotels were just an excuse for him to fuck around on the side. Yep. Honestly. But I mean that's more uh, like a, that's a problem in Japanese culture just in general, like back then especially. Oh, yeah. They were in a transitionary period, you know, that that's definitely important to note. Like Japan went through so many like social changes. You know, from the late 40s, you know, obviously up until, you know, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Good God. A lot, of, a lot of repression. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, but yeah, they, they basically didn't come into their own until they hired, um, holy fuck, how can I not remember his name? Game Boy Guy. Please Game help Boy me. Guy. guy who made the Game Boy died in a car accident in 1997. Oh, God. Um, I'm blanking. Yeah, go ahead. Anyway, that guy was one of their first hires for uh, electronics, uh, like game creation. He was, I think, he was an engineer somewhere, um, and he made the Game and Watch, uh, and it just kind of rolled on from there. Uh, the Famicom uh, was released in 1983 in Japan uh, as a games device, but there was a port on the bottom that was purposely placed there uh, as part of. Yamauchi's uh, Gunpei Yokoi. Jesus, how did oh, I yeah. not know that? Um, <laughs> Yokoi, yeah. I'm a failure. Um, <laughs> You're wrong. 
That's what the internet's for, bro. We anyway, have sources. He wanted to put a, a computer in everyone's home. That's more or less what he wanted to do. Uh, Yamauchi didn't like video games, but he knew they were profitable. And as I was kind of saying earlier, he had like a sixth sense when it uh, came to games. Again, because he was a very traditional asshole uh, Japanese businessman, uh, he would pit his internal teams together. Back then, they were known as R&D 1, 2, 3, whatever. Uh, and they would make like full games almost, and they would show them to him, and he'd either go, "I like it," or "It's shit." Start over. Damn. <laughs> and and they were and they were competing against each other. But he had a, if he if a game was bad, he knew he had a some kind of weird thing about that. It's like, like some Jay Z shit. Read the appeal, <laughs> you know. But um, if you, I'm really giving you an extremely paraphrased and rushed version, um, if you want to find find out more about this subject, uh, let's talk to Perry about this. Uh, the the book uh, Game Over uh, by David Sheff. I've, non- I've heard a lot about that. It's uh, incredible, really? especially if you are a fucking nerd like myself. Do you, you do really you listen to Retronauts? Yes, they are my second favorite podcast. Yeah, they've talked about a lot about that book on that podcast, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and preface this and say, like, like I don't, I can't listen to them all the time, specifically because of a couple of people on the podcast that I just, I would rather not listen to daily. But Jeremy Parrish, yeah, he's my homeboy. He might be the smartest guy in the entire industry, and like I could listen to him talk every day. And if it was just him on that podcast, it's like the, it's, it'd be the perfect thing. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, I um. Maybe someday we'll have him on here. Maybe not. I don't, I don't Jeez, think so. Man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to meet him, though. Like, me too. He seems like a super down-to-earth guy, too. So. Hey, yeah. you got to aim somewhere. I love, uh, love all that useless game trivia and stuff. Oh, there's good stuff. But, yeah, if you want more uh, a good look at that, you should read that book. It's a nonfiction, uh, journalistic look into the history of Nintendo. I mean, I'm sure a lot of... Most of it's pretty real, and they spend a really long chapter talking about Tetris and its history, which is amazing if you don't know what that is. It's like a Soviet Union like escape story, Wait, basically. Really? How the software is held hostage. So good. It's very interesting. They should make a movie actually, about that. I actually didn't know that. That's <laughs> crazy. I mean, I know a lot about Tetris, but I didn't know it was. So, in a nutshell, what happened was this: he, this guy, uh, I forgot his name, Sergey Patinov, something like that. Uh, he. Um, he made Tetris uh, for on a mainframe computer just as a game to sell in Russia. And then one by one, these guys overseas uh, came over and they wanted to license it. Russia didn't know what they were doing. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're still Soviets back then. Uh, they, they sub-licensed it to like three different companies, including Tengen and Nintendo and a couple others. Um, <laughs> and it just turned into this huge legal clusterfuck, uh, and just the Russian government was oh, so good. It's <laughs> like just this, this Cold War ass like conflict just over this video game, and like he finally decides to go to America and stuff. It's pretty good, but yeah, that book's pretty good. From it's it's if you're not into if you're not really into game knowledge and history and stuff, uh, then you're not going to get a lot out of it because it's a it's a really journalistic look. Uh, I recommended uh, Console Wars to you because it, it does the I mean it's half it's made up bullshit anyway, but uh, <laughs> I mean I, I know it is. It is still fascinating. That that book is told from like a uh, you know like a narrative point of view. Uh, but yeah, I read a lot of books about that. I've heard about that one on uh, Retronauts a lot too. 
Mm-hmm. Mainly just I, I listen to everything Jeremy Parrish says and <laughs> take it to heart and research Too, it later. Man. Yeah, like he sounds like a cool guy. I might I to check be him a out. Jeremy Parrish. You want to be a Jeremy Parrish? <laughs> Jeremy Parrish. <laughs> I mean, maybe not sound that dry. And dual. I mean, he's got a great, him, but... he's got a great radio voice, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but anyway, I mean, I could give you a. a story of the whole company but i mean nah, what, nah, what, do, what do you want to know exactly? no you pretty much gave me your basic oh, we know more you need something to go oh no i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> no, i was just i don't know i get twitchy sometimes you get twitchy yeah i don't know i was diagnosed with ADHD when i was a child barely me alone no you're fine you're fine i was hit a lot when i was a kid but you know damn <laughs> it's got dark i mean it's all good in the hood. anyway um yeah i can't believe you didn't know that's about nintendo i can't believe you didn't know they were that old and i mean oh no i can understand like the love hotels and the pachinko machines and all that good stuff but but the, i don't think uh, go ahead man. i think because it wasn't until now like maybe the last since i went to college that i cared more about history of things because like I just look at Nintendo as a gaming system and nothing more, but didn't know the history behind that or Sony or kind of, huh? <laughs> what? I said a casual gamer. Ca- casual gamer, you know. No, I, I, mean, I I felt like I was at one point in time because all I played was 2K and Call of Duty up at school. But then like somewhere around like towards the back half of my years at school, I went ahead and started playing more Final Fantasy and. Games that delve, delve deeper within story and character development, and that's what that was like. Anything historically based or lore, like anything witty like that, is great because you go like, well, you look at this, and it matches with this back here. I'm like, oh well, I understand what I'm doing. It's kind of like uh, an example of like I'm gonna go into a literature a little bit, um, like Percy Jackson that series, mm-hmm. and like you read the first five. And then the second half is called like the Children of Olympian or something. I can't, I can't actually remember. But it's like Percy loses his memories, mm-hmm. and like there's another character named Jason, and he loses his memories too. Well, when ja- when you hear the story of Jason, you don't really know who he is, but like when you see Percy, you're like, oh, well, I know who Percy Jackson is already, mm-hmm. and like it's just kind of cool, but how games have like a historia revolving around them and it's just amazing in that way now as we go into more lore because like we're going to go deeper what is the lore of zelda because i'm going to be honest with you every time i look at zelda and like go pick up the master sword i feel like it's kind of like a sword in the stone like king arthur i mean it is literally a sword in the stone i mean yeah I feel like it's like, you know, King Arthur. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Arthurian in origin, probably. But, I mean, the the thing about Zelda is that there's no... I mean, I personally am not a fan of the Historia, because it, it, for anyone who doesn't know, the Hyrule Historia was a book they released, like, a few years ago that was supposed to connect all of the Zelda games into one huge opus-like story. And I just don't... Yeah, I can't do that. Personally, I... I I choose not to think of it that way, uh, and I just kind of choose to see Zelda as like uh, you've ever seen you've seen Miyazaki movies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I just choose to see each Zelda game kind of like a Miyazaki movie. You know, you go in, you experience it. You know, you're told a story that's really beautiful and really fun, and then at the end you leave, and that's the end. Like I, I don't <laughs> choose to look into it anymore. Like I don't want to know the history of Nazca's world. I don't want to know the history 
of Howl's Moving Castle. Like, I just want to go in and watch the movie and leave. That's how I feel about Zelda. <laughs> how do you feel about Zelda? But I like the lore of Zelda. Yeah. I mean, it's a legend. It's a legend. Well, well I mean, like, that's the that's the premise, right? It's yeah. the same story retold over and over because it's a legend. Like, yeah. that's basically how I had viewed the series till that fucking Historia came out. Right over there. Oh, so you shit talking it, but yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm, I still plan on buying a copy of it. I haven't bought. I haven't bought one yet. But I mean, I collect a lot of Zelda stuff. But but God, I'd rather buy the Art and Artifacts book before I bought the story yeah, any day. I should have done that. But yeah, I mean, that's it's basically where I am with it. I mean, it's 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 the same story. You know, I had it written down somewhere, Perry. Here. See, I told you you were gonna bounce reasons. No, I mean, yeah, you, you you skipped uh, part question no, three no, here. No, no, yeah, no, all the like you, we, you, were, you, you had said originally, let's go through Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony's history. We went. We through, can like, do that. A quarter no, of Nintendo's history. I mean, I'm still. I'm. I'm. Stuck. We'll, we'll circle I, back. Hey, 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 no talking over. Um, let's just be realistic. When we when we talk Zelda, we're still talking about Nintendo because the next question is for Nintendo. Why do people have a problem with them remaking their characters? What do you mean? Like, like uh, what do you mean? Same thing, because people feel like they haven't grown up. Like people say that they've grown up as gamers or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But they feel like Nintendo didn't grow up with them. Who are these people, Perry? We're, we don't need to. I that. need to know who they are. <laughs> no, you no, don't I'm need. Just <laughs> I, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, no one company's games, with the exception of maybe Naughty Dog, like as a, just a, as a company that controls IP, has evolved in the way Nintendo has evolved their IP. Like you're talking about a company that literally changed video games, you know, several times over, revolutionized the 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 whole industry, you know, in a time whenever it was going to literally games were being buried in dirt because there were so many of them being produced. You know, like, Nintendo made everyone else grow up. You know, Nintendo's games make other companies want to do better. So then, I, then, I, then what was the problem with the Wii U, then? I'm just curious. The problem with the Wii U is that it, uh, it wasn't for anybody. Yeah. Uh, the, the, they were, their audience, they were aiming too broad. They didn't know if they wanted to be casual or, or if they wanted to be hardcore. It was too expensive. The gimmick did not work. Uh, I mean... I, I love the Wii U and everything. Me too. Because I, well, I'm, I'm psychotic and I have like yeah, a dozen like consoles, so I had a Wii U but, too. So. Um, I, it, it had a great li- a library of like, uh, like three must-owns <laughs> and uh, maybe like uh, 13 games that are generally worth having. But I mean, the problem with the Wii U is that Nintendo was trying to appeal to markets that had no interest in them. Like, yeah, they moved on. Like the thing, the thing about like kids who like smartphones and kids who play on tablets and stuff like that. Those kids are gonna play on smartphones and tablets. Like, that doesn't matter to them. You know, what I mean, like, oh hey, it's a Wii U. It's like okay, whatever. It's just it looks like a Fisher Price toy. Like kids are just gonna be like, where's my iPad? I'm gonna play on that thing. You know, in Japan, like mobile gaming is like the, the big thing there. It's been a big thing there for a long, long time. Like games like Puzzles and Dragons, like bringing mm-hmm. so much yen over there. Like it's ridiculous. Like. Like Nintendo wanted a piece of that pie, for and they just figured, oh hey, you know, we'll just we'll create our own tablet and be successful because we're yeah. Nintendo. And guess what? That didn't happen. Yeah. So like, it's a, I'm just curious how that all ties in because like people are like, oh, they just make Zelda. They just make. They have franchises. They yeah. have IP that they own. They just I mean, make they Zelda, to... but it's like it's like if you make Coke and you just make Coke, well, it's like it's still Coke. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Hey, here it is. Shout out to uh, one of my good friends, uh, Recency Bias Radio. He said it the best. 
Like, if your game has the best game, I don't care about any of your bad games because you have the best game. And that entails with Breath of the Wild because he said that was the first game he's played from Nintendo. He doesn't fucking care about anything else. That's uh, pretty good if that's the first game he's <laughs> like played for from like Nintendo. Uh, played from Nintendo and since Ocarina of Time. It's all downhill from here then. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It goes that way. <laughs> oh, Rip. Super Mario Eyes. Yeah, <laughs> everything else is so awful. <laughs> well. No, I mean, like, hey, dude, Nintendo Nintendo games are timeless. Like, like yeah, like, you go back and play 64-area games, and they might not look as good. And, you know, like, but at the same time, like, I can go play Super Mario World tomorrow. I can go play Ocarina of Time right now if I wanted to. <laughs> I, I like Ocarina, but I feel like the SNES games have aged better than any game of any generation. Like, oh, you're talking about Back then, games uh, were polished to a mirror sheen and built to last. Yeah. Today, That's... games are built to be updated Yeah, every other five seconds. No, there's a... F- Let's go into Sony, because this will all tie back in, I promise you guys. What is it that makes them the juggernaut right now, in your opinion? Do you, do you want to go first? Or... I I think it's because um, it seems like in the gaming industry, there's, there's a legacy of like a company getting way too full of itself and then being knocked down a peg. Mm-hmm. Like it happened to Nintendo, it happened to Microsoft. I was just thinking about that. Like it happened to Sony, and then it happened first with the PS3 because they were like a juggernaut with the uh, PlayStation Two. PlayStation Two, because I mean, and the main reason for that was that it was a DVD player, and DVD players were hella expensive. So then they were just like, "Yeah, here's a cheap DVD player that also plays really great games." And it's like, well, of course you you have a like, gold mine in your hands. So so then when they come out with the PS3, they're like. You're gonna pay this much money for it, and if you need to, you're gonna get an extra job. And and That's there, my favorite people quote. were just like, "No, we're not." And Xbox comes out; they're the American company. You know, they they take that angle all the way to the moon and back. And the, the console's affordable. They had, you know, way better IP for a couple years because you know they were coming out of the gate with games like Halo and Gears of War and what have you, which I I personally don't see as better than Sony's PS3 games. But uh, like like games like Uncharted, like. We didn't know that was going to happen those first no. couple of years. You know, we didn't know what we were going to get the last of us eventually. Like, anyway, like I'm saying, games go through, like, game companies and developers and production companies and, uh, you know, IP holders like Sony and Microsoft and even Nintendo, all three of them have been taken down a peg. And Microsoft, it was Microsoft's turn to get taken down a peg whenever the PS4 and the Xbox One came out because they did what Sony did when they launched the PS3. They were like, like, yeah, it's really expensive and it does a whole bunch of stuff you really don't care about and you're going to pay a lot of money for it because we're Microsoft. And yeah. people said, no, we're not. <laughs> and everyone flocked to the PS4. But as like a subtext to that point, I'm going to say that uh, Sony has an outstanding list of IP right now and Microsoft is pandering. They're doing everything they possibly can to find something they can rally behind that's not Halo. I'll go on record of that. I have considered buying an Xbox One because of Scalebound, but then I saw that that got canceled. I was like, like, well, I don't need an Xbox One now. Seth, what's your take on it? Why, Sony is the juggernaut right now? Because they priced their console uh, accordingly, and like Alex already uh, covered, they uh, ate the humble pie already with the PlayStation 3. Uh, I mean... Make no mistake, that console was amazing, but it was uh, a distant... Uh, it took time to be amazing. Yeah, it took time. Um, they... But yeah, that's so right. Like, Nintendo was high off the Wii, so they made the Wii U, thought it was going to be a success. 
the same way that we uh well there's, there's still the fucking thing like that they're like the switch is gonna outsell the wii i love those projections I don't it's think like so. fucking <laughs> all right but um like that's basically they they fixed everything that was wrong with the ps3 they gave it a um better user interface uh party chat that's really not that big of a point but everyone, <laughs> everyone focuses on that for yeah. some fucking reason but uh, they gave it the x86 processor, uh, which, in I guess non-technical terms, makes it easier to port games across uh, platforms. It's not weird-ass uh, cell CPU yeah. arch- architecture, so it, it's more appealing to third parties. Um, it's just they, they made it a really easy and good place uh, to develop games for and to sell your games on, and mm. so and, and they, I mean, you see it today. Yeah. So let's go to Microsoft for a second. I, I might get my history wrong or people wrong, but did Bill Gates tag a part in making the Xbox or no? Somewhat. Somewhat. I mean, it was pretty much people like approached him and and they were like, "Yeah, we want to make this company," and it's like, "What okay. do you got?" <laughs> and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, uh, we got this." And Bill, Bill Gates is like, "That's cool as shit," you know. Okay. And then he like showed up at the launch event and handed out an Xbox and then said peace and went away. Do you, know, do you know who was with him when they announced it at CES? I just think it's so fucking funny. The Rock. The Rock? Mm-hmm. Like the Rock and Bill Gates came out CES 2001 and said, here it is. Here's the Xbox. Here's the Xbox. So the Xbox was called the, uh, well, first of all, do you know what DirectX is, either of you? I'm, I probably do, but it's pro- I, it's not something I'm just going to... Yeah. DirectX is a graphics API for Windows. You have to... Uh, Video cards have to be like DirectX, whatever, uh, compliant. The newest version's uh, 12. Anyway, um, Microsoft uh, was a pretty big uh, publisher in the 90s of PC games. Like, uh, PC was pretty popular in the 90s because people could afford them somewhat back then. Um, also, Doom. Yeah, also Doom. <laughs> Quake. Um, so, uh, Sony happened. And the PlayStation 2 happened, and they were scared they were going to lose uh, a lot of their market share of, uh, of video games. Because that was, a, it's a, not a huge, but pretty sizable part of Microsoft's audience. So uh, they proposed the Direct Xbox. Direct Xbox? So it's like... That's what it was called. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like the, the thing they're running those games off and publishing those games on. It's like, you know, cut out the third party. <laughs> so they wanted to make their own box. Like, originally it was just a PC that, had, you know, like was a Windows uh, kind of thing. It was a DirectX box. Um, but yeah, they just spitballed from there. Uh, no. They got the green, the green light. Uh, they did their best. They they did what they did best. Microsoft did and bought up as many uh, developers as they could uh, to help bolster their uh, portfolio of games like Rare and. Now, uh, now don't get me wrong, but wasn't Bungie like directly tied to X, like Microsoft during the development of the original Xbox? Like, cause that, cause I mean, they might not have been Bungie like directly at the time, but I feel like. The, wasn't Halo almost kind of like a Super Mario 64 situation for the original Xbox, in a sense? Oh, you mean like how the controller was designed around it or something? I just mean like, I feel like I've, I, maybe I listened to a podcast or maybe I, I heard Phil Spencer say something or another about like the history of Xbox, like, but I feel like I remember something about like when the original Xbox, like you were just saying about Microsoft going around and buying up development teams. I feel like I remember something about Bungie 
And I remember, because what did Bungie do before they did Halo? They did the Marathon uh, games. Okay. They also published uh, Oni, was a third-person action game on the PS2. Uh, Halo was a third-person shooter. Uh, it was a, a Mac exclusive. Uh, oh my god, I can't. Steve Jobs introduced uh, Bungie and Halo uh, at a Macworld uh, really? conference. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, 1999. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny how they turned Halo like that. That's but, outstanding. Um, <laughs> actually. I didn't even know that. But yeah, Microsoft uh, uh, purchased uh, Bungie, and then they uh, retooled it into a first-person shooter for the Xbox as, a, as some of the first bits so of IP. how long was... Uh, when did Halo come out, I guess, after the Xbox launched? It was a launch title. It was, it was a launch, launch title. title. Yeah, okay, launch title. that might be where, where I'm getting a little confused. Uh, Microsoft is easily the, uh, like the blimp on my map of knowledge like i <laughs> really because is it because they're fairly new or well, it's because they're new and they bought their way into the industry i, really want that, my opinion I mean it. and also i just i don't identify with their ip as much as i do sony and nintendo so. but no there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever that's your cup of tea bro everyone has your cup of tea. i'm just saying like as far as like knowledge goes <laughs> yeah 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 seeking no, out knowledge knowledge because we should have included Sega in this to tell you all kinds of shit. Hey, man. We can talk about Sega. <laughs> we can talk about Sega. You know, August 16th is around the corner, you know. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Sonic Mania, guys. Uh, I was like, what? Okay. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, that was my question. How, you kind of answered it, but like, what made them want to take that leap into gaming? The fact that they were scared shitless that they were going to lose their gaming audience, plus it was easy money. But do yeah. they? Hmm. That's cool. Now, we'll bring it full circle, because you've mentioned it already, and we've been talking about it this whole time. But has frame, the, like, does the graphics in games matter to you guys? Because I know some people that just think, well, this game's frame rate drops a lot, and I don't care about it. So does that affect your overall gameplay experience? Perry, I've played uh, many hundreds upon hundreds of games of all <laughs> varying types. Uh, bad graphics, no graphics, mm -hmm. exquisite graphics. I don't give a single solitary fuck. <laughs> I, like, I like to hear shit like that. What are you talking about? But I mean, of course I appreciate it when I, a game looks nice, it has a nice art style, and I can... Uh, appreciate the thousands of man hours that were slaved over uh, by like 12 different contracted studios to create the beautiful cathedral that I'm currently exploring. <laughs> and I can appreciate that. I mean, I like it. At the same time, I think that it's kind of taken away from uh, game development because games are now, because of that, extremely expensive to produce and uh, take forever uh, to release. Um, Alex? I feel the exact same way. I mean, right now I'm I'm bouncing between a bunch of different games that all look incredibly different. Like I'm playing Persona Five, which is very stylized art. Uh, I'm also don't get me started. I'm always I'm always playing The Witcher. I'm always finding something to do in The Witcher, and that is the most gorgeous game I've ever played. I mean, up to this point, anyway. Like, and not just gorgeous in like the sense of like oh it looks pretty, but I mean like when you're walking through the town and you see a tree. And the light refracts through the tree and just it's God rays. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But then you know, I'm also playing Earthbound right now for the first time. And that oh, game, really? And you're talking extremely rudimentary, and it looks pretty good though. And it's amazing. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm personally playing like first, Street Fighter too. First so. time. Yeah, actually. Fuck yeah! I uh, so good. Actually, our friend Thomas, who was on the Dragon Ball episode with me, um, he 
I was talking to him the other day about his favorite games of all time, and he was like, mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, Earthbound. Man, man, him. We vibe over that game. And oh, yeah. uh, actually, after we left here the other night, I went home and I started playing it, and he just sat down in the kitchen and watched me play it. But so good. everything, but just to answer your question, very like, um, Earthbound, like the story of the game, the look and feel of the game, I feel like is just as relevant and extraordinary as the god rays that Seth called them in The Witcher. Like I, I feel like I feel like they're beautiful in different ways. Yeah, so. like I said, like I personally can appreciate it. Like I said, as long as it's able to sit me down and understand the story and make me feel the way you guys feel about a game, I can come back to you guys and talk to you about it and that's all I care about. That's what a word of influence is kinda of, sorta. Of. But we'll get dive deeper because I know that's a question I asked you guys. Um IP Intellectual personnel, right? Intellectual property. 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 What does it take for you guys to... What what does Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo have to do for you to sell you on new IP? Like, Horizon Zero Dawn, new IP. Or... There's a couple... uh, Do you want me to answer first? Oh, I'll I'll just give an example. That's all. Okay. Well, I guess, like... For me, uh, I'm the type of person who really um, I try to factor in creators more than anything. Like when I when I read or when I a comic book, when I read a novel, when I read uh, you know anything, when I play a video game, I, I try to factor in like who made this game, you know, who designed the art for this game, who made the music, like what do I like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's creators I follow in comics like Jonathan Hickman. Anything that dude writes, I buy, you know. Like anytime there's a Zelda game, I buy it just because, you know. So, like, I don't know, if, like, say a creative lead, like, Neil Druckmann, who's worked on Uncharted forever, decides to leave Naughty Dog, whatever he does next, I'm going to buy, because so, he's made amazing video games. So, I'm not, not, not trying to interrupt. So, what, what about Kojima? Are you going to get Last Stranded? Death Stranded? <laughs> okay, so, like I just said, I'm just playing Earthbound for the first time. Uh, Metal Gear is actually, like, a huge gaping hole in my video game backlog. Like, I've always meant to get to it. But um, I am going to buy Death Stranding because it looks outstanding and I love Mads Mikkelsen and it just looks like a weird, crazy, surrealist, impressionistic <laughs> kind of video game and it's right up my alley. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kojima, I mean, just from Allure and like, I don't know, his legendary status. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's like the, I don't know, spy, surrealist, um, action hero, movie Shigeru Miyamoto. So, I mean, you know. It's pretty good. Stuff. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> for sure. Well, when, when I look into starting a new IP, I just see if it appeals to me. That's really it, man. Really? I mean, <laughs> if it's got a good art style and it looks good, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a... I mean, it's the same thing as, like, hey, does this movie look good? Am I going to go see this? Because, you know, barring, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, uh, or and stuff like that, it's like, you don't really know what you're going to expect when you see a new film. Like, you got to watch... I don't know. It's like... It's a really open-ended question. It's like... A lot of different ways does it look go. good? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the point. Like, what's, what can you do? Like, like for example, Horizon Zero Dawn, like, when it came out, you're like, well... They announced the trailer, and you're like, I'm not for sure. And all of a sudden, they show you gameplay, and you're like, oh, well, maybe. When I saw that first trailer, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> really? Yeah, just because, I mean, first of all, it's a redhead with uh, a bow and well, arrow. Well, well, with well, a bow well, and arrow, well, okay? Well, well. And there's robot dinosaurs. <laughs> so I'm just like, 
yes, mm-hmm. yes, continue. And then you're like, <laughs> open world. And it's like, hey, I'm in. And that being said, I haven't played it, but that's just because, you know, money, and I'm going to get it at some point. But oh, yeah, I haven't played it either. I'll, I'll get to it. it sometime. I will say, though, I, I'm way more apt to try out open world video games as new IP than just about anything else. But I, I'm kind of with you on, like, I'll just try it if it looks cool. Like, yeah. I just bought Mafia 3, even though a bunch of people trash talk it. Mainly because I love the 60s and everything associated with that time period, and I just started playing it. I know a bunch of people have a lot of problems with it, but I think that game is great. So, I mean, like, it's just subjective. Or and, and, that, and, and that is good, though. Like, you <clears> see <throat> some shit in a video game that someone else can't, and that's what makes you an Aloy member. <laughs> see some shit that you're like, wait, how can I hate this shit? I enjoy it. <laughs> and, like, that's, uh, that's good. That you're able to do that, like, cause some people will go like, "No, let me see a review first Or, I hate reviews. I hate reviews most of the time. Did you read mine? No. Oh man. But don't feel sad. I don't really read anyone's reviews. Oh well, I understand, but like, I refuse to spoil anything in any of my reviews. It's not. It's not spoilers that I don't like. It's more just, um, like, uh, there's a filmmaker I really like. His name is David Lynch. And uh, people tear his stuff apart sometimes. And then it seems like 20 years later, after every single one of his movies are made. People think it's a critical darling. Like, he made a movie in the 70s called Eraserhead. Yeah, I saw it. I'll watch it. People hated it then. And then now it's like seen as one of the greatest movies ever made. Whatever, they still hate it now. People still talk shit about all of his <laughs> movies. Yeah, I, I personally love everything I've seen that he's done. Like, I'm, I'm loving Twin Peaks. Like, I think it's, it's just fantastic. I think he's just a, a very special and creative individual. But anyway, like, I, I just am not interested in what other people's opinions of his art are in like a professional sense like I'll talk to my friends about it but just in, yeah. in general life like I don't care that someone gets paid to tell me what's good and what's not you know what I mean oh I like after I did that I said I refused to score anything yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean I like like Seth mentioned earlier I like Giant Bomb a lot because I'm not trying to trash talk anything I'm just saying review, like review culture alone I think is annoying but like I, I, I like it when people sit down and play games and just have interesting conversations about them. And that's what Giant Bomb does more than anything. They just sit down and play games. Yeah. So exactly. that's what I like about that. Exactly. And like like for a prime example, like how you say you don't like reviews and like people like I I said it was gonna be a ten out of ten across the board before it even dropped. Breath of the Wild. I said it I don't know why I felt it. It's Zelda. Huh? It's Zelda. Like it's Zelda. They're yeah. rarely bad. <laughs> like I said, like it, it was like no, we cash like, in pretty easily <laughs> like, on Zelda. I mean, if you're gonna place a bet on a game score, Zelda's probably <laughs> the easiest one. They're like, no, it's not gonna be a ten out of ten. I remember Thursday morning. I was like, all right, it was reviewed by Jose Otero. Scroll all the way to the bottom, ten out of ten. Shared it, sent it to everybody. Like, don't talk to me ever again about video games. <laughs> In a, like a joking manner because like, like I can't believe it got a 10 out of 10 I'm like well play it then come talk to me <laughs> I've been playing uh, Zelda games all my life so. yeah like I said like cause like I'll go on record and tell you like I've only beaten three Zelda games and you could probably name them so it's alright it's just more for you to play later I mean it's, yeah. it's not a it's not a big deal I mean you have or haven't beaten like it's like, I've played them all but like I said I've beaten Ocarina several times Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild. So, I got a big problem with Majora's Mask. Almost played all the best ones. You're just missing one. <laughs> what Majora's Mask? <laughs> no. Well, like, that's just no. Skyward Sword. Link to the Past. Oh, that yeah. one. Why is that one your favorite? Um, it's really good. Yeah. Without spoiling, <laughs> it's kind of like like 
earthbound for me right now i mean when i think about length of the past it's, it's kind of similar but there's a multitude of reasons i mean okay so like i said i'm glad that you guys both like a game that i haven't played that's awesome like i i know i've heard of the game so it's pretty good now what are your your guys expectation for e3 i know off air you you both you, alex you've said you don't anything's coming but what wait, do you wait, expect? wait i don't think anything's coming like nothing big like like nothing big's coming like, no no, no. Saw, like, i mean there's going to be huge announcements like for ip that we probably might see this year or might see next year but you just don't think anything's coming out this year right no no i think there's things coming out this oh. year i'm just i i've consistently said i think e3 is dying and that's because it is Oh yeah, E3's done. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't think that Sony and Microsoft aren't going to announce things there. Mm-hmm. No, what are you expecting? What? 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 What do you mean by what we're yeah. expecting? Do you feel like anything? Uh, not, do we have to talk about Nomura? I think we should. Yeah, talk we can about talk about Tetsuya <laughs> fucking hack Nomura. We'll talk <laughs> about that motherfucker. Okay. okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go that round. Because um, my bad. It's okay. <laughs> because. You're currently playing Final Fantasy 15. Playing is a uh, loose <laughs> term. Are you watching it? Watching no, it. I'm, I'm playing it. I just, I'm at your not own very dedicated time, to it, I guess. At your own pace, you're playing it. I am indeed at my own place playing, playing that game. You, Seth and I, have beaten it. Platinum, maybe? Did you Fuck play? no. I platinum. I'm platinum that game. <laughs> the first game I platinum. My problem is, no. What did what in your mind thinks that he that motherfucker took so long to make it? I know he's not the he wasn't director anymore because he's not a, he's not a good he's not a good project manager he's not a good director like off air we were talking about this for a little bit. Uh, the way that he directs games is he writes down what he wants, literally writes it down, gives it to his team, and says this is what I want. If they don't give him what they what he wants to him, then he throws it out and makes him do it again. Uh, this is a very extremely extremely poor way of uh, managing a video game um, and it leads to budget um, budgetary um, fuck ups okay, I can't think of the word right now and uh, just going off schedule because I mean the only games he's directed uh, are the Kingdom Hearts series and I guess the world ends with you I forgot about yeah. that Like he's been a character designer and scenario uh, writer for the most part uh, but the Kingdom Hearts series, basically, I mean, before Versus Thirteen, um, I think I think he's yeah. like a bizarro Yuji Horii. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's like what you like. He's everything Yuji Horii is not, and and like like because Yuji Horii is the dude that like uh, does Dragon Quest for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know, and he's the project lead game designer. I mean, he he's not really he doesn't program or anything, but he gets he, shit done. Yeah, he he literally like makes sure everything gets accomplished for those games. I mean, he's the guy that went out and got Akira Toriyama to do the art on the series, and he's the guy who designs every monster on napkins and writes the story for every single game and is there with his team even if he can't do anything, you know. So you make it to here's what you're saying pretty much. Say his name for me so I don't mess it up. Yuji Hori. It's pretty much Oda. <laughs> <laughs> no, Oda's a workaholic to yeah. the degree. I was yeah. saying that's good, no, but I was like, saying compared to uh, Nomura. Well, here, yeah, I mean, compared Nomura, to that guy. N- Nomura, who's but, pretty much Tagashi. I mean, know? I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, only, the only other person you can really compare Nomura to is, like, Kojima. Because yep. Kojima takes a long time to make games, but I feel like the difference between Nomura and Kojima is that 
Kojima's games are usually critical darlings and usually outstanding and I mean it's kind of he hard. knows what he's doing yeah. Ko- Kojima's been making games for a very long time he's like he's a criminal a mastermind when it comes to this stuff stealing yeah. time from companies and stuff. Well, I think the problem with Nomura is the fact when Square Enix president comes out and says we don't want to make our fan base wait longer so we're going to take you off versus 13 which is now 15 for everyone that doesn't know so we take you off go write 10 Kingdom Hearts 3 focus on that and then for them to also give him the keys to Final Fantasy VII, the remake. You know why? That's that's just terrible. You know why they did that, right? No. Because he would have thrown a fucking fit. Because he's, he's controlled all the seven aspects of that series since Advent Children and Crisis Core and shit. He would have thrown, he would have thrown a fit if they didn't let him uh, take control of it. Because even though all he really did was just uh, do character designs for that game, everyone associates him with that game. I don't fucking know why. Uh, but oh, it's seven. Yeah, it's not his game. It's not not by a long shot, but because it's his characters, I think he did some scenario planning or, or something. I, I haven't looked recently, but I mean that's basically why they gave it to him. I, I mean they really should give it to Tabata or somebody else at Square who knows what the fuck they're doing, <laughs> and knows how to finish the game on time. But um, like I was like I, I was also telling you, uh, Square is just not. Uh, equipped for HD development. Uh, they have only got like 400, 500 employees, and for a game of that scale, like 7 especially, fuck no. Not not for the amount of assets that I they mean, need. Especially how it's going to be running the Unreal Engine, which is going to be interesting. They did. They were subcontracting CyberConnect 2 uh, to do it, which are the Naruto people. Ninja Storm guys. Yeah, they're basically... I mean, they made a Service Wrath and a couple other games, uh, Thought Hack and all that, but uh, apparently they weren't happy with uh, the results, which is perplexing to me. Uh, it was probably fine, but again, Nomura being the diva that he is was probably like mm, not up to my standards or some. I, I, I mean, that's one interesting thing I think about Kojima recently, because like while I haven't played a lot of really, I've played a little bit of the first Metal Gear Solid. Like I keep up with them, mm-hmm. um, and I know he's been he worked on uh, what's the company that did Horizon Zero Dawn and kills real games. Uh, yeah, Gorilla. Yeah, he he worked with them on their new engine, and uh, the engine that's going to be used in uh, Death Stranding is like a version of the same engine that's running in Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, the like Decima. That. It's the same. It's yeah. Yeah, which is cool, and like he helped them work on that stuff because, like you were saying, like he's kind of the flip, like I don't know. I, I really respect the shit out of Kojima. He's been working on games since the '80s, since the MS, since the, well, the MSX with the Japanese. Uh, Peter console type thing but he's been working on games since then like 1980 consistently working on them instead yeah. of like hey this could be cool Do he this knows for me. what the fuck he's doing yeah. like I'm not saying Nomura's like terrible at games or anything I mean he's been in the industry for a while like he's he's a competent artist I just think that you've made the Kingdom Hearts fan base wait a little too long for the next Kingdom Hearts series yeah it's fucking ridiculous it's, that's my only problem because like I would like to see another world ends with you that'd be interesting yeah I doubt it <laughs> this won't. I doubt that the third Kingdom Hearts game is ever going to come out. To <laughs> we'll be, be completely honest, it's not going we'll to live up to anybody's expectations. It absolutely won't, dude. It's not going to. It's like uh, The Last Guardian. That, that game was in development for so long. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, wait, dude, have you played it yet? No, but at the same time, I played Eco and Shadow of the Colossus when I was a little kid. Draco! Like, like, it's just not... <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Like, that game fell short for a lot of people. You know, well, for me, being the first game I played for him, I was like, well, I feel really you depressed. You never played Eco or Quant? Mm-hmm. Okay. But like I said, I guess because if you play those, then you're not going to feel the same way. 
But like I've like that's probably the most demoralizing game I've ever played in a while. Demoralizing. Demoralizing. I, I think it's just I think all I'm trying to say is that when you make people wait such a long period of time for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very much. It's going to affect their enjoyment of it. You know, it's like we brought up, I brought up David Lynch earlier. You know, Twin Peaks has been going for 25 years. It just came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I think it's great, but at the same time, I watched it for the first time this year, so. Yeah, it it obviously did not affect my enjoyment of it. Whereas people that watched it back then, they're a little livid about it, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's the same thing with game development. You wait some like ten years is a lifetime in video games. You know what I'm saying? So I can't believe people like me. I guess that's just a nostalgia of loving Final Fantasy. I actually enjoyed somewhat of Final Fantasy XV. I don't know. I don't think it's that I I'm not enjoying it. I just. Okay, there are definitely aspects of it I do not enjoy. You're fun. I've heard you like, pissed off. It's just like, times. like it's a terrible, like the battle system in the game is terrible. The battle system? Yes. Once you get used to it. No, it's like not, it it's not a thing you just get used hey, to. Hey, I'm going to give you a pro tip though. I don't know if you know this, but if you hold down the button, yeah. he keeps attacking. Yeah, I know. I, I know that, but I didn't know that until like 20 hours in. Really? And I, was, yeah, I didn't even know I mean, that. I'm not going to say it's, it's great or anything. I'm not really going to argue with you, with you on that. I mean, it's better, yeah. better than Kingdom Hearts. It's fucking battle. No, it totally is. But okay, so I'm just gonna tell you my story, my Final Fantasy 15 story. <laughs> okay, so fuck yeah. So I I started I'm playing this game. I'm like 13 hours in the game or whatever. Uh, the world just opened up. I just got to the second area. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving along and I get this quest from Bikini Girl at the garage. What's her name? Cindy. Cindy, yeah. I think, in the Cindy. English version. Yeah. So um, so I, I go, she gives me this quest. She's like, yeah, I need you to get this thing for your car so I can put it on there or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Cool. That sounds rad. I'll put something cool on my car. That'll be a thing. So then I show up on the map to the spot where, you know, you're supposed to be. And I, I walk. It's this little, like, hill. And there's a little shack down at the end. And there's this big lake. And there's a telephone pole. And a tree that hangs over and there's this like broken down ass car by the shack. And there's this little gleaming thing, you know, like the items, they gleam on it. And it's the same button for jump to pick up stuff, which is, don't even get me started on that. It's just the worst. It's such a yeah, poor design that, choice. I like, fucking <laughs> jumps constantly in that game. Dude, it's annoying. So like, I'm, I'm coming down the hill and I see the item. I walk over to it. And then the battle music starts playing. I'm like, what the hell? There's nothing here. Is it the car? No, there's a herd of animals. Right to my to my right, like like not like you know a few yards away, and it's like you gotta fight these guys, and they're just like these peaceful rhinoceros like creatures eating grass, and I'm like they're just Aww, doing their own things. thing. I don't want to fight them. Just let me leave them alone. But the game's like no, you gotta fight them. You gotta fight them. So I go over there, and of course they're like four levels higher than me. Yeah. And it takes forever for me to fight them. So I, then I while I'm fighting them, a group of the soldiers flies overhead, drops down on me. <laughs> and then I gotta fight those guys too, and all I'm trying to do is just pick up this tiny little item to put on the car. So then I finally beat all of them. I finally beat all of them. I walk over to the item, you know, glorious moment. I'm gonna finally pick up this fucking thing. Lo and behold, the battle music sounds again. It's there again, and I and I'm I'm looking around. I'm like, what the fuck could this possibly be? There's nothing around me. And then all the way, like, I don't know, 20 yards away from my character in game, there's another fucking herd of those those animals. And it's like it wants me to kill those again. And I fucking turned the game off, dude. I, I fucking know. turned it I off. I know you did. I was there. I was like, I was taking those Psych- headlights. Psychless suck ass. Well, once I'm you get terrible. those headlights, it's worth it, bro. The uh, main... 
My problems with 15 in particular are just yeah, story-related. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> well, I'm one. not going to spoil the game. Personally, yeah. I don't give a shit. Uh, I don't... I don't I never really played Final Fantasy games for the story. Like, I like the story in 6. I like the story in 7. Don't give a shit about the story in any well, of the other Well, games. Alex, no, the thing is, is it's not the quality of the storytelling. It's that it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that's the point. That's, that's the thing about it. Like, it's so obvious the game was in development for as well, long as it was. Because there's a part, there's parts that just aren't there. They, they cut out. Like, you but, see, like, like, the main villains, like, or whatever... Like some certain part, like the hammer, so evil, and then you never fucking see him again. You don't see a single one is, of them. Oh, again. Well, is this like the thing where they were? He was gonna update stuff in the yeah. game later, like like or something like that. Something like that. Because no, no, someone who left this company actually showed like where all the DLC was deleted, like deleted from the game, so they could just do it later. And then it's like, really, just give me a full game. Yeah. Do you guys feel that way? That's a good question. Like, do you feel like lengthened games is as long? As you- That's what we were talking about earlier when we talk. Your friend was talking about games and like like IP and Seth had said like games weren't shipped broken back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of how I feel about it. Because I mean, he's right. Like, used to be you know games were put on carts and if they were broken, they were broken forever. You know. Now it's like we're just the game development mentality is we're gonna ship a game if it's broken or not and fix it later. Yeah. yeah, game development's really fucking difficult. Yeah, so I can empathize to as you're currently degree. making your own. Right yeah, now, I mean so it's hard as fun. fuck, like to make a video game, and like yeah, the extra time afforded by patches really is invaluable. Yeah, but um, it's it's really a combination of factors when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's you know an unrelenting. Uh, chorus of gamers who want their games over uh, open world long yeah. lush graphics and on time um the, you know they they want all that and then it's the publishers with unrealistic expectations um that uh really i don't know how people feel about unions uh but the fucking game industry needs to unionize oh my god it's like the last great frontier for unionization other than referees and sports because like the like game development is i it's grueling it's so like you hear horror stories about people who work at ea on those sports games they sleep in their offices they stay there like 24 hours to get those games out on a yearly schedule yeah i can't imagine i can't imagine what that must be like like red, red dead 2 uh, got delayed yeah. Right? Um, if you look at people who work at Rockstar San Diego, uh, that delay was not good um, because they're pulling 80 hour weeks right now. All those people, those poor fucking people, that's to awful. try and get that game <laughs> yeah, out awesome. on time. Uh, that, that studio's infamous for their extremely poor working conditions, but that's just, that's software development in, in general. It's not as bad in other industries. Um, Really, the whole all Silicon Valley needs to unionize. But my opinion. Do you, do you guys like that though? Like, let's say let's talk Assassin's Creed because there's supposed to be an Assassin's Creed game coming out. Do you feel like it's good for them what they did to take a year off? Yeah, totally. I mean, the thing the thing about Assassin's Creed is that like um, it, they're on a development schedule, so they have multiple development teams that work on the games, and like I think it's a three year development release. Uh, for each game. It's like Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah, so they have like three years to make the game while the other team is working on it, and there's a yearly release each time. 
But um, the last game they released, Syndicate, actually saw some success because it innovated on some things in the game. Like it, it gave you like a kind of like a hookshot kind of thing, and a lot of people were all about that. You know, you could steal car carriages that are basically like the cars in the game, and that made the game better because the game had like an extra year or like you know seven eight months or something like that. And then you know due to that positive feedback, Ubisoft is like, you know what? The game's done when it's done. We're not going to adhere to this yearly schedule. We're not going to abuse our employees like that. It's like, yeah, it's totally true. But what you're saying about like people being held over and the working conditions and stuff like that, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like that's fucked up and it's horrible. And and like when I was talking earlier about how I feel like some people in games media, not just them specifically, but like there's this whole propagated thing in like gamerdom on Twitter and 4chan and uh, all those places where it's like you know, oh, they're taking forever to make my game, and where's, where's this, blah, 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 and it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of unfair, because video games are the only medium where you can get one, you, you'll get a game, and you'll finish it, and that game took years to make, and then immediately you want the next one, like immediately, and you're not going to get it for a really long time, and, you're, and the people that made it, that spent all those nights working on the game, that spent time away from their families, you know, all they're going to hear for the next short while is, when's the next one coming? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And um but to kind of circle around to your to your question about, you know, like releasing broken games and stuff, I think that they should give them the time to finish the game. Um yeah. instead of rushing like... it out and forcing them to make the patch, you know, like and a lot of and, and just a fun little trivia fact, uh a lot of the times when they do do those post game patches, that's usually unpaid work. Um, really? they have to uh uh, squeeze out the last minute because they want their bonus. That yeah, doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me. Well, yeah, they uh, most most companies now uh, the big ones uh, have a, a certain uh, Metacritic score requirement uh, to get their bonuses uh, because no you want, want a bonus. Oh, oh, fuck yeah! Whoa, yeah. and uh, and they'll usually work on it unpaid a lot of the time. Well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and say half the work they do is unpaid anyway because it's all salary work. And uh, if you if you're pulling a hundred hours plus a week, uh, you're fucking not earning. You're you're overworking yourself uh, through that paycheck anyway. It's not relative to your, you know, accrued pay. You know, like, yeah. Once it goes gold, uh, that's a that's it. That's the end of your contract. But those guys will keep working because if the game gets a better Metacritic score as a result of uh, the patch that they're about to put out, they're going to get that sweet ass bonus to let them and their family. Go take a goddamn vacation uh, yeah. and uh, take a break and not go crazy. Do you know what going gold is, Perry? Yeah, like where the game is coming out, right? It's just ready to ship. Yeah. yeah. Gold Master it's Disc is completed with all the source code. That, that's, uh, well, no, not source code, but it's ready to be printed in mass production. Kind of like yeah. a, just like CD yeah. audio. I remember like when Final Fantasy fifteen got delayed that last time. My dad really called me up. He said, you're fucking with me, right? I'm like, no, I'm not fucking with you. He's like... Uh, like anyone that mentioned this game, I'm gonna stab them <laughs> right now. I was like, dang. Dad. That game released a year too early. I mean, I know that's crazy for me to say. That's bananas, dude. It's, <laughs> it's it released a year too early. Like all the all the post game patching they're still doing. They still have over 200 people working on that game. Yeah. I mean, Paid, like, of course, but that's crazy to think about. Because people were so mad about it, it taking so long. Like the. If you so, ever read so chapter 13, Alex, you'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> so, so he, well, here's the thing. What, what happened was Nomura's version of the game took about six years. Uh, all scrapped. All that shit's gone. And they redid the whole game again. Like, 
in a, in the updated engine. Can you have you, like have you seen Versus Thirteen like all the shit that's in it? And also you look at Fifteen, you're like, wait. Yeah, they redid like yeah. all the assets and stuff because that was all PS3 level. They needed it to get up to PS4. The whole game restarted. People are crazy if they think that's the same exact game. Um, but um, can we loop back to an earlier question, <laughs> Mr. Host, What's about up? the history of Sony? Maybe. Yeah. I go think ahead. I think that's the one we kind of missed out on. Oh no, no, go ahead. Truthfully, we kind of missed out on Nintendo, but I guess it kind of. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, goes we, together. We did cover a bunch of it though, like mainly IP development. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not so much the company yeah, history. Yeah, the company history, but like the IP development. So. Another great source of. Uh, history for Nintendo uh, particularly or the Iwata ass uh, segments I highly recommend reading those yeah those are great it's basically just Iwata sitting down with developers and going through like the history of video games and stuff didn't they do an Earthbound yes they've he's done a whole lot of them and it's great like they're supposed to be talking about what's relevant like whatever game is coming out at the moment but he managed to squeeze out a few bits of trivia and information from the past which is in Japanese culture, it's kind of frowned upon to talk about your boss, like when you're not working there, like the history of development and stuff. Shit's really hard to, to get a hold of. So any kind of information that comes out that way is like invaluable. Not to mention the fact that like, Nintendo is kind of secretive in that regard. Yeah, very secretive. But like in the Iwata asks, isn't that where we found out that like Iwata pulled the overnighter on like was it Smash Brothers or, mm-hmm. or into Earthbound? Like whenever Earthbound was in trouble, like he decided to go down there and code for them just and he was like you know working his way up in the company at that point and yeah definitely genius yeah he was you talk about a man who provided a lot to an industry like man it's fucking terribly sad yeah (laughs) it's terribly sad so i I wanted to talk about sony just because it kind of um it kind of ties into our E3 talk a little bit. Go ahead. You'll, you'll see where, because uh, I know that's the main subject you want to get on, but uh, you'll see where I'm going with it. So, uh, first of all, you know how Sony uh, PlayStation came about, right? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The They were making an addition to the Nintendo 64, the CD-ROM. Is that it? SNES. SNES. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so they were about to announce it at E3 or, or TGS or something like that, right? Yeah, uh, that's uh, basically what was going on. Did I mess up? I think your mic's been unplugged this whole time, bro. Really? Has it been? Is it red? Yeah, has it's it been, been red this whole time. Yeah, it's been red. Oh, and it might <laughs> out. Anyway, um, no, stays. Everything stays. Boy, that um, would be bad. <laughs> yeah, just be careful around that whole area there. No, no one's touching anything. You're good. <laughs> Anyway, um, let me think here. Let me gather my thoughts back. Into the future. This is this is editing practice for you, Barry. There's no editing. Keep going. Are we sure everything's good? Yeah. Will the mic? Everything's fine as long as that red's not flashing. Yeah, the red's been on the whole time. So cool. So, okay. So, anyway, the um, Nintendo PlayStation uh, was uh, being developed uh, as early as 1988, I think. Just about as soon as the CD standard was really hitting its stride. Um, Nintendo, uh, Ken Kutaragi from Sony, I really wanted to get into the games business because he saw it as profitable for Sony. Uh, the rest of Sony did not want that at all. They were very uh, against it, uh, especially because they were doing a partnership with Nintendo. But one of the CEO guys had kind of like, he favored... Uh, him, you'll see that a lot in Japanese culture. There's like a, there's a CEO or a higher up who has like a 
a favorite like <laughs> chosen employee one of of the company that he thinks is really great like uh yoko taro uh in square enix like there's a guy at square who really likes that guy even though his games until recently have not sold at all but he lets him keep making games because he likes them but Kind of the same idea. They were going to fire uh, Ken Kutaragi uh, for um, what a mistake that trying to make uh, the PlayStation. Um, but they didn't. They gave him a chance. And so they were working together. And Nintendo was working with Sony to make a CD-ROM add-on over the SNES. And it was very far along. Uh, Secret of Mana, uh, Chrono Trigger, um, uh, so many games. Uh, I think even into the past and stuff like that uh, at one point, maybe like really early. I was all planned to come out on the CD add-on. Kind of like, you know, how Sega had the Sega CD? Mm-hmm. Same kind of idea. Like, they wanted that piece of the CD pie. Um, so they were about to unveil it at CES uh, 1991, I want to say. CES, okay. Yeah, CES, it's the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, before E3, that's where game announcements and discussion and meetings and all that shit went down. Um, but then they decided they needed their own thing. But, um... So... Uh, they were about, uh, Sony went on stage first. It's not really a stage, it's more like a podium, like a group of journalists and stuff. Like a panel almost. Yeah. And they were like, we are releasing a, uh, Sony, uh, Nintendo PlayStation in cooperation with Nintendo to be a great add-on, um, yada, yada, yada. So here's the problem. Uh, Nintendo, and this kind of ties into the Nintendo talk, is a bully, a price fixer, uh, and just basic just corporate ass they wanted to control the supply and demand of uh nintendo games so i'm kind of backtracking a little bit but important. um back in the nes days they controlled um all the supply of nes cartridges they refused to let companies uh, make their own cartridges uh, and uh nes had a lockout chip kind of like drm today if you know what that is like it they would only let Nintendo-made cartridges work on the NES and Famicom or whatever, and you had to have a valid Nintendo like developer license to do it. But here's the thing. They would make the game, and they were only allowed a certain number of games per year. Yeah. On top of that, um, they would make the game, uh, then they would give it to N- Nintendo to print uh, the, the circuits, the chips, to, the cartridge to make it. They'd have to buy their orders of cartridges up front for them to sell. Uh in defense of Nintendo, I mean this is brilliant on there. Behalf, yeah, but... <laughs> I mean it is absolute masterclass business businessmanship or whatever. But like the um, video game crash also played a part in this. Yeah, I mean it, that it was good that they controlled quality by only allowing a certain number of of games. Um, I agree with that, but. It's it's fucked. No, it's <laughs> fucked up. But I'm just saying, like, it's not just completely unwarranted. Like, when the video game crash happened, like, there were boxes of cereal coming with games. Like, you know what I mean? Like Atari and all that stuff. Like, like licensing. Everything got licensed. Like the infamous ET. Like, you know, Nintendo. Yeah, totally fucking mob. Like, bo- like just boss ass move to be like, oh, you want to make a game? Okay, yeah, you gotta buy it through us. Yeah, we take no loss. You take all the risks. Right. It's that forty-eight laws of power shit. They literally like like even their competitors, you know, had to pay them, you know, which is crazy. Thing. But anyway, like in their defense, like all of that stuff did go down before, you know, prior to. So just don't, yeah, just don't. Have to. I mean, for for sure, like the the limit was a good idea. Like 
I think having a, a heart, a steadfast limit was really the downfall. Like, yeah. stuff like Konami, like, they made, like, a, a separate label for NES games called, like, uh, Ultra Games or something. Uh, that they would, it's like their loophole to get around, because there's a five-game limit a year, I think. And they wanted to make more than that. Like, come on. They could have... But they had a no no exceptions rule, so... Which is where the Tengen thing came in with Atari. Because mm. Atari basically created a whole other company just so they could, like, ghost make games and still publish more than Nintendo was and, allowing them to make. And get around that lockout shit. Yeah. And so they oh, could, wow. Yeah. So, shit, Nintendo. So what, yeah. what my point is in saying all this is that Nintendo was used to control and getting things their way and never taking a loss, because that's just how Yamauchi did business. He was not in the risk-based uh, Razor and Blades uh, model. Mm -mm. No, he, uh, he wasn't into that. So when Sony, on the, on the discs for the CD-ROM add-on, were going to take, I think, a 50% cut of the revenue of games sold on there, they were like, fuck no. They did not want that. They wanted, they wanted like three percent for them, um, and they wanted all the control. And they just, they weren't comfortable with that. So, behind their back, Nintendo did a double deal with Philips, another rival CD-ROM company, um, to make an add-on instead of Sony, without telling Sony. And this was literally on the night of the CES. They like met in a hotel room and did a secret deal, and were like. You're going to be our CD-ROM guy. So right after Sony announced the PlayStation, like, we're going to be great, uh, Nintendo comes on and says, our future's with Philips, and doesn't mention Sony once. They're like, our Philips CD-ROM add-on is going to be great. Making Sony look like a bunch of fucking asses. Like, they were furious. Yeah. Like, they, they were like, just pointed fingers and just, you know, they're furious. Um, and Kudaragi was about to get the boot, but he, but he said no. How about we show these fucks and we make our own console with the work that we've already done? It's funny because that's a whole separate thing too. Like Nintendo owned the name PlayStation, so they got rid of the space so they could make a PlayStation as one word. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, Nintendo created their own worst enemy in that, and that's why they're they're so bitter still. They probably always will be because. Of a dirty deal that was done 25 years ago. I mean, that come back, comes back on Nintendo, too. I mean, they're just angry because the, the people they shoved away kind of ate their lunch. So, you know. as like you said, eat their approaches, in your opinions, which of the three wins the show? Like, you mean like upcoming? Yes. Well, in your opinion, hopefully it'll be a nice dramatic E3. Like, that's kind of it's kind of like what I was leading it's kind of what I was leading up to with the with the with talking about how the the PlayStation started. Mm -hmm. So I told you that the PlayStation uh, didn't. Uh, it was released in America in '95. Uh, it was released in Japan in '94. Uh, but the first E3 was in '95, and they were gearing up. That was the very first E3. Um, they were gearing up to uh, reveal the price. Uh, this is like one of my favorite stories because it because it repeats again. Um, <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, so uh, Sega came out, right? They had a Saturn. It was three ninety nine. They announced the price. They're like, and it's in stores today, right? Uh, that's a bad idea for a myriad of reasons, but we won't get into that. Sega. Uh, no one, no one has our fucking console because it just came out today. Um, but so the best part was Sony came on stage right after that. You know what they said? 
They said 2.99 and walked away from the fucking mic, and then they, which is almost to the T, exactly what happened with to Xbox uh, when they announced the Xbox and PS4. I loved it. History literally repeated itself again. Xbox is like 4.99. We're so cool. We'll be out. You're gonna love the Connect. We're on top of the world. And then Sony comes out and goes 3.99. Mic drop. And then, and then literally the audience like erupted yeah yeah. like so if you're asking me Perry what I want from E3 I want that shit to happen again yeah. that, that stuff is amazing I mean I, I feel like Sony's conferences the past two years have been outstanding because that orchestra last year was interesting I know it's great like, I, like it's just non-stop games it's like for years people were like we don't care about PlayStation TV we don't care about stuff like that and they're like PlayStation doesn't hear us and in the past two years, PlayStation's been like, you want games? We got games. And uh, it's just been constantly like, bam, 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 bam. As a matter of fact, now people are saying that their conferences need to calm down. No, no, <laughs> like, no, no, it's no, like, no. Like, I love it. I mean, like, when, when, when the screen goes dark and you, you see Midgar and you see Cloud... <laughs> That was a hype moment. That was a moment where I was just standing up and I'm yelling. I'm like, oh my... Just... <laughs> This I is, control there's myself. so much like there was so much and like dude sony like is monopolizing on ip right now because like yeah. they're just bending microsoft over their knee in terms of ip and spanking them till it's red dude i'm not even kidding you know like, what's crazy though like i feel like if a metroid drops i think everybody goes crazy you have no idea what my reaction would be Jeez. yeah but when is that ever gonna happen like Honestly, those motherfuckers better deliver. I doubt it, dude. I mean, I know I'm not going to get my Half Life. I know I'm not going to get the Winds of Winter. So give me my fucking Metroid game. It's not happening, dude. It's not happening. I know I'm not going to get any other shit I want. So just give me a new Metroid game. Like, wait, I'll go ahead and tell you the way what we're going to do that whole uh, E3 thing. The way it's going to go is that you guys will be part one. Because I'm going to do three parts. You guys will be. If it's okay with y'all, that Tuesday. Okay. So. Is that at, after work? Yeah, it'll be after work. Because I don't have that day off. I don't have that <laughs> yeah, day off do. either. I don't have that day off either. So, it'll be that Tuesday. So, that would be the wrap-up of uh, Nintendo, because they go last. Or they're Nintendo. They go right. on Monday, don't they? Yeah, no, I think they, they usually Tuesday. go first. They go Tuesday. Right, right, well, right. on they're, yeah, they're first on uh, on the actual E3 days. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's no no big but, deal. So Tuesday, Tuesday. So at, they'll go last. They'll announce their games. We'll talk about it. I guess here. This is turned into like the studio layer or your house, <laughs> like whatever y'all two house. I guess clear schedule, Alex. All right. <laughs> okay. Tuesday, and then Wednesday will be with some of my other friends, and then we'll close it out on uh, Thursday. Just different opinions, different ideas. Just to let you know how I was planning on do that. Like, and of course we can watch that together, like on like that Sunday. I think night the only thing I'll be available to watch after, like the night is probably the Sony one. Yeah, you're not gonna watch it with us though. Or? No, yeah, I can watch it with you guys. I don't care. Yeah, I'll be. It's usually like around like right at the time you guys get off work, though, right? Yeah, they they do it in the evening, which is smart because they know that's when people are gonna watch it <laughs> online. Yeah. Yeah. So. It seems like Sony's been getting the last laugh for the past like four years. So I, I wonder if Microsoft's really gonna keep sticking to that. Uh, well, they, I feel like Microsoft has a lot of proof. This fucking Scorpio coming out. Well, they're on Sunday now, right? They're Microsoft, on Microsoft yeah. is. Are yeah. they really? Yeah, Microsoft's yeah, they, they, going they first. They moved up. Well, wow. I'll, they have the Scorpio. They're gonna do the Scorpio like mic drop. 
thing. The Scorpio, I don't feel like it's going to amount to anything. Though. Yeah, I think they should really pull out uh, yeah. right now and make uh, ways I've... for the King Sega. Bring him back. <laughs> oh, my God. Before that would be day one. No questions asked. Or Sega? Sega, Sega might be my number one on, on some days. On principle alone or just Fuck like... Yeah, okay. it, they make... Great games that are secretly <laughs> shitty and vice versa. That's, that's my, I totally that's my, agree. That's my jam, man. I agree I'm in so many ways. Like I told, I told like the podcast I did with China said, "Yeah, Sonic is my Flash." This motherfucker looked at me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, does, what does a, that mean? As a sentence, I'm just like trying to register what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> the Flash yeah. has been pretty consistently good yeah, and not but, terrible for but, twenty years. But as a character, Sonic, as him being able to run fast and like chili dogs, was like, "Yeah, he's my Flash." Because I've never watched Flash. Chili dogs? <laughs> he just eats food. Like, <laughs> food. I mean, he doesn't have any particular love of chili and or chili top, just, you know, items. Just chili dogs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I love Flash. He just, he just knows I collect Flash comics, and it was just like, uh, oh, this is, this is an association thing. <laughs> yeah. They run fast, and it's like, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's it, because I've never actually read the Flash. Oh, yeah, he's more fat Teddy Roosevelt and Flash. Well, yeah. like I said, he's my favorite character in uh, Nintendo, or Sega, even though I've got it. But, I mean, yeah, I, I would be for it. I love Sega. I love their games. So you don't, great. So you guys don't feel like the Scorpio is nothing? I feel like when I read, when I read the details about it, it just felt like an updated Xbox One. I mean... That is, that's what it is. Yeah. They're, so listen, the hardware is not the problem. It's the IP. They don't have any... The they don't have any is, games. the fuck is there to play on the Xbox One? That's my question. There was like, Scalebound. <laughs> there is no longer Scalebound. <laughs> exactly. I thought they were going to really do the smart thing because they're making moves into doing it and just make an Xbox uh, platform like for Windows and stuff. Between like, PC and... Like Record? Was that not supposed to be like a platformer game? Record? No, he means platform as like a, a, a medium to play games. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, like an Xbox brand. Like, you know, because you can play Xbox games on PC or you can buy an Xbox to play your Xbox games on and just not really focus on that shit anymore because like yeah. Alex says, there's they don't really have they they have some pretty good pretty fun games i mean i'm not gonna well, go to town for well, them like i like gears i like fucking gears halo is, gears and halo are great but I'm gonna say, look, are you crack, saying crackdown's fine i guess are you, yeah are you it was that? i mean you, sorry outside of halo and gears of war what else do you have is that what you're saying for xbox more or less <laughs> yeah. like there's no like yeah pretty much i mean i like i like we said at the beginning of the podcast i I guess we both, you and me, Seth, have just recently played all the Halo games. I've dug like the said, shit I've, out of them. I've I only, they were pretty good. I've only played the third one. I mean, they're good games. Yeah, they're good. Like, they're not. I'm not, not going to buy another console for that. No, I'm not either. That That's the main thing. I only bought it because I got an Xbox One, and I never played those games, and I was just like, man, I should probably do this. So I got it, I played them, and I enjoyed it, and then I moved on. But would I buy a console for Halo or even Gears of War? Absolutely not. Not in the same way that, like, say Naughty Dog's dropping another game and it's on the next Sony console. My white ass is getting that game. Like, and that console. In the same way that when the Switch came out and Nintendo's like, yeah, Breath of the Wild. I'm like, you got me. I'm there day one. But it's just, it's not, it's not like that. Xbox is a harder sell to me as well because I, I am a PC gamer as well. Because uh, you feel like... There's really no, no point. Yeah. I mean, really like, no point. you can say it's no point, but it's like, you can say, like it's easier to... Mows into uh, Nintendo and Sony because, like, some people that didn't they have IP, yeah, yeah, they have property to play, yeah, you know, like, 
things to spend your time on with the console. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, some people were just like, yeah, but yeah, I would just make the same shit. And like, yeah, but my shit is better than what you're playing right it's now. It's better to reinvent existing properties in different ways successfully than have literally two franchises to Because, like, like we even said, that, uh, there's a story called Trollis and Cressida. It's written by Boccaccio. It's a, just a romantic story during the time of the Greek War. Kind of like, uh, shit, I can't think of his name. Uh, Homer's Odyssey. Not Odyssey, he didn't write Odyssey. Yes, he did. Iliad and the Odyssey. Pretty much, it was just a telling of these two people. Like the Odyssey? <laughs> pretty much the two people that enjoy, like, they're just falling in love. And like, okay, it's a good story, what not romance. Jeffrey Chaucer, who wrote the Canterbury Tales, did a retelling of that story as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, did a, lot, a retelling of a lot of other stories too. Yes, but retells. but he did a retelling of uh, no of just Troilus and Cressida, just that he just pretty much did that story in his own way. I don't know. The Canterbury Tales are kind of like an anthology. No, I'm not talking about the Canterbury Tales. I'm talking about he talking about he made Troilus and Cressida an actual story like he took Piscaccio's idea and just made that into his own he just okay. retold the story alright what happens next is that Shakespeare does the exact same thing and takes those same two characters and makes it into his own way mm. great story my point is what the fuck's the problem if it's still a great story are you I... talking about with IP man yes okay yeah, yes, yes. I did yeah, not like, understand like, what I'm saying is that they have great IP. Mm-hmm. It's better to retell stories like you just said. Mm-hmm. That is a prime example. It's proven in literature like where you can sit there and take that same story, make it your own way, and people enjoy it. Same way what we see in Zelda, Mario, and I guess Final Fantasy. I'm just agreeing with you, that's all. Okay, okay. I thought you were asking a question. No, no, just no. trying to find No, question. no. I'm just saying, like, what... Like, what to the people that say that you're just telling the same story over and over, what the fuck's the problem if I'm enjoying the same character? Or if the story is a video game, game, it's also fun to play. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm agreeing with you totally. So, with that being said, I'm just like, don't sit there and say that we're retelling the story of a character when it's something different and something new. And, like, you don't understand, like, every time I look at a Zelda game, I just, like, stop and look at the area or, like, The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm currently reading it right now, so f- for me to read what Geralt is going through, just the idea of like, well, witchers aren't supposed to be around because like some bad shit always happens. Mm-hmm. Never play the game, but I'm pretty sure some bad shit happens every time Geralt shows up. You never play the game? I'm reading the book first. Oh, uh, not really. <laughs> Skip the first game if you want. Okay, yeah. I'm playing the third one. I'm Probably. Really sure. I mean, you can just play the third one. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah, so I'm just saying that with that being said is that anyone that says that stories can't be retold in a different way needs to understand how gaming is. I guess just to go back to Microsoft, it's just that it's just that like they're not reinventing anything. It's usually just the same games, just new iterations of them. Like I didn't play Halo Five, but that's what everyone heard I heard say. It's just like it's just another Halo game. Yeah. You know, like when you when you play Breath of the Wild, it's like, yeah, this is Zelda, but it's also like revolutionized Zelda. It's like what Zelda always should have become. That's what Breath of the Wild is. That game's kind of special, though. Like you can't compare <laughs> no, that to, that's true. to Halo because 
you know, Breath of the Wild mm. is like a fundamental is is Nintendo saying fuck. We've got to we've got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> like we've got we've got to do something. That's true, that's true. I'm just saying in general like with your IP, you like okay, I guess a better example would be Super Mario Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like like Galaxy takes a lot of things that 64 did and just turns them upside down quite literally. You know what I'm saying? And like <laughs> like but it's still like it was a breath of air in that series. You know, it was, a, it was you know, fresh air to, to a series that needed it. And and those games were amazing. Yeah. Galaxy wanted to like mm-hmm. so I'm I'm just saying Halo hasn't had its galaxy yet. It hasn't had its Breath of the Wild. It, it, it can't though. That's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. A, like a corridor sci-fi shooter is. That's my point. Like you, you can only go so far with a with a game like Halo. You can only go so far with a game like Gears of War. So what else is there? Like where else do we go from here? You're, you're talking about Greek tragedies, like like a consistent, you know, storytelling archetype that you know is basically seen in every type of literature. You know, the Greek mm-hmm. hero, like. I mean, it's it's the same thing consistent with Microsoft. I mean, the chief literally is a Greek hero. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A guy who makes sacrifices, a guy who's willing to pay the ultimate price. Like, they need something that's well-rounded. They need a Nathan Drake. They need a character that, you know, can be developed. You know? Yeah. They just need more IP, and I think they're trying to get out of They're trying to get out of the IP game. What they really need what they really liked during the 360 days was being able to court all of the third parties over to them yeah. and them just Come pay us money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's whatever. Like I don't I don't hate Microsoft. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I I don't I don't have anything against them because it's stupid. You shouldn't have vendettas against companies or companies they want your money. Yeah. Um I mean, the more video games the better. Like the less video games the worse off we are. So you know, like I don't want them to fail or anything. That's stupid. Uh, but at the same time they they should probably do something. So hopefully the C three we'll see them uh, do something. I guess that that's all I'm trying to say is just I I want something to play on the Xbox. Like I want yes. a reason to buy an Xbox. Like because yeah, I I'd like yeah, for sure. I, I like supporting games. I like buying and playing games. So like if they give me something to buy, I will mm-hmm. buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's yeah. my point. Yeah, yeah like so I understand. That's what I'm really looking forward towards this E three because like you know let's see what you were able to come up with a year or, or even longer. Nintendo's got to have something to bring, right? Uh, like, like so many of those, their development teams have been quiet for so long. Like even Retro, like you're talking about Metro. Oh, you're talking about Metroid. Like Don- it'll be Donkey Kong Country, also returns. Come on, those games are pretty good though. I love them. They're fantastic. <laughs> those games. They're fantastic. And and like I, if it's not a Metroid, I'd rather it be a Donkey Kong. But I'm just saying, I don't know if we're gonna get a Metroid. Like like the most we've gotten is Prime Blasters, whatever the fuck. What was that game called? Uh, Metroid, not canon, whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, that yeah, that game wasn't bad, but yeah, I. I don't care. The DS, was that the one for the Yeah, DS? Federation. Yeah, Force. Federation Force. This was called yeah. Federation oh, yeah. Fucks. I I don't um, <laughs> like. I would prefer if, if Retro would make another Prime type game. Not call it Prime. I think they should make it another name and start another trilogy of those of those games but i don't fucking care give me a third person one give me one by another team just give me something do you feel like it would ever live up to your expectations though yes you I mean, feel like it would? are you just saying that because you want one no i mean my expectations aren't that super high like i mean they they are but they're not like so that's the thing that that's the argument with the metroid thing is that 
we have so many indie games now that are Metroid that it's like, what's Metroid's place? Yeah. And all of it then. Well, like, what's the point? Why should Nintendo make one if I can go on Steam? There's like a thousand fucking Metroidvanias that I can play. It's also the Halo thing you were just talking about. Like, you, we were just talking about how far Halo can go. You know what I mean? Like, like the thing Metroid has gone for it is it has an actually interesting story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Halo is just kind of an amalgam of lots of different science fiction. But I'm just saying, like, do you think where Halo lacks, Metroid could pick up that slack? Yeah. You I mean, so? I, there's more room for, you know, each Prime game, some had successful gimmicks or gameplay. Uh, central ideas like, you know, uh, Light Dark World ripoff and uh, 2 from Link to the Past. And... Um, the PED, like, phase-on corruption stuff in 3, like, I think if they made another first-person one, they could add something that would, you know, that would be pretty neat and intuitive and fun, because it's also a Nintendo-published game, yeah. so it's gotta be super-polished and everything. I mean, like, but what I mean by, like, my expectations aren't that high, it's like, it's not, like, Half-Life high, you know, it's like, the it's, you know... Like how they can't release Half Life Three because there's there's no fucking way that it could ever live up to anybody's expectations. Yeah, like it's it's not like that. Like I guess it's just that like every Nintendo fan I know has been clamoring for years for Metroid. And well, I'm a Metroid fan no, first and foremost. So I love I, I love Metroid. I, I love Metroid Prime. I love Super Metroid. The, those are Metroid games. I didn't play the original Metroid when I was a kid. I played Super Metroid. Like that was my Metroid growing up. But like I just I. I feel like the difference between a Final Fantasy XV situation and like the eventual hopeful Metroid sequel we'll get is like, even if there is a Metroid game in development right now, or there's been one in development hell for years, we don't know that. We have no idea that that's even a thing. So yeah. like, I'm just saying like we we wouldn't even know if if you know they announce the next uh, Metroid game this year and they're like yeah it's coming out you know this year blah 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 which you know. Unrealistic expectations. If it's a 2D one, fucking great. I'll take one of those any day. Super Metroid's the best game ever made, in my opinion. I can play that game any day of the week, twice on Sunday. That's Steve. Every day. I love that fucking game. It's solid. Give me another one of those if you want. I'd, I don't care. I'd rather see them make a 2D side-scrolling Metroid than another Prime. That's how I feel. But that's just because... I'll take either one, man. <laughs> no, me too. I'm right there with you. I'm just saying, like, like what we were saying about Halo, I feel like kind of applies to Metroid Prime too. I just feel like people are moving beyond that genre. I feel like the, the space shooter has kind of had its time at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I suppose. Things like Prey are coming back, you know, and Bio, like Bioshock revitalized that genre with its, like we were talking about earlier, the environmental storytelling that doom even picked up on and stuff like that but i don't know if i was going to play another first person shooter metroid i wouldn't want it to follow that bioshock method i wouldn't want it to follow the the halo method like even the the uh, last year's doom like i want it to be something different and i feel like it's a it's a really difficult genre to like elevate again because i feel like it's almost reached its peak you know what i mean like just I mean, I can't think of anything else you could possibly do that could make that genre explode again. You know what I mean? Well, it, it can't explode, but, you know, um, what, I, what I want from a Metroid game, or from a crime, I guess, is um, just, just a solidly made game. Like, just great puzzles, you know, great music, great atmosphere, uh, just a really intuitive, like, uh, what do you call that method of gameplay where it's... 
it's not really non-linear because it really is linear. It's like a guided path, but just I love that style of gameplay and just give me a good Nintendo polished version of that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I can go to Zelda for that. Like, of course I can, but um. Would you identify more with Samus than you do with Link sometimes? Well, <laughs> the dependency of the space, not her. Actual I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say that. I, I. I mean, I hate to say it, but I really just like how I don't know. Metroid seems to be like the really adult take on all those kind of concepts. I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of was really my jam yeah. when it came to all that. Like I was like, yes, they made the also they made the Zelda game I wanted for so fucking long. Like Link is is kind of an everyman character. Like yeah. he's a blank slate, whereas Samus has like an actual story and, and all of that to back her up. You know, like you said, relating to those characters is kind of different. Just yeah, at least you know, I wasn't trying to relate inherently. You know. Yeah. And uh, and just one last note on uh, that subject, I guess, uh, based on expectations. <laughs> come, come on, come on, Alex. The last Metroid <laughs> game was Other Rim. My expectations That's... are somewhere at the bottom of the river. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The game crushed me. That, that, I mean, I've been pretty cynical and, and uh, fairly nihilist my whole life, uh, but that was one of the driving factors towards just <laughs> pounding it into the ground. Oh, I sure am excited for this game, and for it to be absolute fucking shit was just a I was kind of excited uh, for total, it. total gut punch. I mean, the gameplay's okay; it's just Ninja Gaiden light. But man, everything else wrapped around that was just terrible. Well, only yeah. game, the only game that bothered me with Nintendo was that Star Fox that came out. I was like, really? And that sucked ass too, especially because it was a platinum joint. So that's a shame. Star Fox hasn't been good since the Nintendo 64. Exactly. I'm sticking, yeah, it hasn't. I'm sticking by it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Like that's that, that that's the that's the opinion for a reason. So, kind of relating to Nintendo talk from earlier and what we're talking about now, uh, Miyamoto is kind of an ass. I don't know if you knew that. Oh like, yes. Like his upending the tea table type thing. Have you ever heard that? Mm-mm. So, Miyamoto's infamous for that. Like, people uh, will be working on something, and he'll throw a tantrum when he comes in, and it's not up to snuff. He'll throw a literal tantrum. Like, he's like he's portrayed a lot as, I'm such a fun, fluffy, fun-loving guy. Look at me. I'm quirky. I like to go in caves and shit and explore. And then, and then you read about how, like, for Super Mario Kart, the development team, like the original one, the SNES Super Mario Kart, the development team... <laughs> they went uh, and went to actual go-karts and played on it. Miyamoto was furious. That was a waste of company money to go on go-karts. And they're like, Miyamoto-san, it was just for one day. And he's like, ha-ha, that's blowing the budget. Like, he, he's, what about, uh, he's very strict. What about the director for Zelda? Is he a good guy? Legendary director. E.G. Anuma? Like yeah, the new guy? He's like a produced... Well, he's been around He's forever. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, Anuma's been around since, I want to say, Majora. Like, yeah. uh, he started... Uh, Anuma, uh, his first game was some obscure SNES RPG uh, that was only released in Japan. I forgot, God, yeah, I forgot the name, but his first Zelda game was Ocarina. So. Oh, was it Ocarina? Yeah, yeah. he okay. was the one who. Yeah, was it? Was he just like a producer on it or something like no, that? No, he directed. He directed it. It, it was his first. It was his first real big direction. It's because he was like a he was a, a model maker by trade, like a toy model maker. And they thought he had like a good grasp of 3D space or some stuff. I mean, of course, he had help from. Uh, all of the yeah. Guys, but yeah. Like, like the Koizumi thing we touched on yeah. earlier, you know. And, and, but, like, uh, Anuma is awesome. Like, yeah, he just like seems I enjoy like such him. a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know much about him. There really, it doesn't really seem there's much to know, you know, like, in, in, other than the fact of 
He's the guy who works on Zelda, you know? Yeah, like, like, that's yeah, his thing. That's I, it. I don't I, need I like anything that. else. Just on the, on the Miyamoto point, though, there, there's that rare story about uh, mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Country that I think is really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, you you probably tell it better than me. So, um, during the, you know, Donkey Kong Country, right? The, yeah. The, the, the country games made by Rareware. Yeah, yeah. Um, well... Miyamoto was not a fan of that game. Uh, a lot of people, he, he's very, he's protective of his IP, and he's a control freak, and he's strict, like I was t- saying. Uh, he, he didn't like it. Um, when uh, he was asked about his thoughts about Donkey Kong Country, because it, it was very popular, it still continues to be a popular game. He was, he, I don't know the exact quote, but he basically said, oh, that game is trash. You Westerners only like games with pretty graphics with no gameplay substance. Yeah. And, to be, and to be fair, uh, upon uh, replaying the Donkey Kong Country series uh, recently, uh, they're, they're, they're very competently made and fun Euro platformers of that style. Uh, Europeans make very particular types of uh, platformer games. If you ever played Rayman and, and, the, and its ilk, uh, but like they're, they're really fun games but yeah the only reason people gave a shit was because of those fucking graphics I just like the story of uh, he's got so mad because like the SNES was like on it's way out <laughs> and Miyamoto moved up to what would become the 64 and like and basically like you know Rare started working on DKC or whatever and they, they showed it for the first time <laughs> and Mio, Miyamoto like there's a story about Miyamoto seeing it and being like what the fuck like yeah, this is on was... the SNES like these fucking guys made this game? Like, and I just love the idea of Miyamoto sitting there just being so fucking surprised that the game looks so good, you know? Like, he, he was so upset about it, like, uh, that for Yoshi's Island, he made, he insisted, because they wanted to make it CGI like Yoshi's Story, he insisted it be uh, hand-drawn. Like, you know how it Hey, looks. that worked out, though. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, honestly, like, that would be my second favorite game of all time, Yoshi's Island. Like, Yoshi's Island? Really? The game's a badass. I can't I even... I can't even... Like, that's the game I've probably played the most in my life. Is that, one, that is... Correct me wrong. Is that the one where you have to watch Mario with you? Yeah, he's like yeah, a baby. Baby, baby Mario. Yeah, back. I remember playing like, that game, too. That was the first SNES game I ever got and ever, like, really ever played. Like, I had an NES and stuff like that, but uh, my first, like, real, like, meaty-ass SNES game was Yoshi's Island. and meaty dude, white ass. Dude, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But, yeah, that... <laughs> Yeah, I could talk all day about Yoshi's Island. <laughs> such a good game. Game's excellent. Yeah. Uh, uh, fuck that GBA port. Uh, God, what can a shame. We, can we get a port of the SNES version? <laughs> Never. <laughs> not as Please. long as uh, not as long as whoever owns Argonaut has the fucking rights to the Super yeah. FX chip. It's never coming out. Yeah, no, it just hurts my soul a little bit because like I, I want to buy the cart, but then at the same time it's like, oh yeah, it's it's expensive like every other classic game. It's why I don't own very many. How I only own the ones how I really much is like. Own for. Uh, well, when I bought it, it was, uh, I want to say 40 or 50. It's probably well above that now. Yeah. It's, it's in the 80 to 90 range. But I'm not well. paying that much for a SNES cart. I mean, I know, like, if you adjust for inflation, it's probably about, you know. What it would cost. What it would cost to have bought it then. But, like, I'm still just not going to buy it like that used. Also, you have to, like, consider, like, cart lifespans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm just not going to do it. I remember, that. like, when you told me that you got rid of Ocarina of Time for the 3DS, and you were like, yeah, I'm not buying this shit Yeah, again. I mean, it was just because, like, I, I was kind of into buying digital games on my 3DS for a while, and I was like, oh, I'll just pick up a digital copy of Ocarina. That was a fucking mistake. 
but but then eventually we found because now the game goes for like 50 60 bucks it's down like, again is it down the again Nintendo selects line came out it, oh yeah it killed the price because forever market. i was like so disappointed yes, that i traded that thing so away expensive. and i was like this is so dumb but but yeah i got the original case back and the card and everything so i like what pokemon silver so silver or something that game goes Dude, for like all, 50 all pokemon bucks. games are like the that. prices on pokemon games are, are bullshit like i'm just gonna say like that it's that's nostalgia like market for, man like, uh, seriously it's hard it to, you say it's bullshit but it's great you're like yeah i'll wait for that price up maybe oh still 40 bucks okay i mean i i recently got into collecting dragon quest games and i have like all of the ds games like literally every single one um and i'd like to look into getting the original uh, nes cards just like the dragon warrior cards or whatever that one the first one's not going to be hard for you man yeah there's like a billion of those mainly (laughs) just like the the second and third one because i've I've played the first game and I play like half of the second game. Um, I, I like them, but the third one is like this mythical creature to me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like um, like Dragon Quest Six for some reason is eighty five dollars on eBay for the DS port. Really? Like what the literal fuck? Like yeah, as uh, I used to be a, a pretty big collector. Like a, I've like that's only like a fraction of what it used to be. But I got rid of a lot of my games, and uh, right now is a good uh, time. Well. They're starting to inflate DS games. Uh, used to be the thing to get. But they're starting to get up there, like the Castlevania, uh, Portrait, not Portrait of Ruin, the one before it, the one with Soma, uh, whichever one that was. Can't fucking remember what the name of it. Uh, yeah, the game's like eighty dollars now. Mm. Like that kind of, they're just they're getting really up there. In I'll, price. Tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because like Dragon Quest Eight. It's probably one that I hold dear to me. I told you that several times. You know that Dragon Quest Eight is like what made me want to become a writer as well. Just like the idea. I don't know. And all of a sudden you find out that Toriyama is on it too. You're like, oh, I mean, good God. Just his art's <laughs> right there on the front, man. Oh, God. I mean, as a kid, like, this is Super Saiyan, right? But, like, funny story of <laughs> video game, like, that made me want to play all the time. Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. <laughs> Just the first three words. I missed it. I didn't play it when I was a kid. <laughs> but like the first three words, die you monster! I'm like, oh shit, let's uh, play more of this. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. But for you to say that in the opening lines of this video game, let's play some more. I never got really into Castlevania, <laughs> but I've always wanted to. Well, you Netflix uh, dropping the show. Castlevania is really good, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Symphony of the Night. Uh, started that oh, yeah. like a Metroid-esque uh, gameplay style. Before that, they were just really yeah hard action platformers. Well, I know that's where the term Metroidvania comes from. Kind of like the combination of the two, like kind of like you know, like a, a level building aspect where you clear a level, you come back, you, mm-hmm. there's a new area to explore. It's kind of like the combination of or the evolution of that style of game. You know. Well, yeah, Netflix is dropping their Castlevania show. The purple yeah, it's uh, really, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's pretty weird. But Castlevania is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. Not not so much recently. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. The rest of right. yeah. yeah. uh, the Lords of Shadow games are fucking terrible. But hey, nope. on that Dragon Quest VIII topic, though, I, I am playing Dragon Quest VIII for the first time. I know you. It's so good. <laughs> I know it, is. it is so good. I've played uh, four and a half Dragon Quests at this point, and. I liked every one of them. Which thing seven? That's usually the the go to. Like he's told me that. That's the half. That's the half one. Oh, okay. I didn't finish it. It is a thousand hours long. Yeah, so that's part of the reason. Because I was talking to a buddy who had already played Dragon all of them, and I was talking to him. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm playing seven, but the 3DS port of eight's about to come out. I kind of want to play that. He was like, do it. He was like, pause, put pause on seven, jump into eight, and then come back to seven. He was like, that's the way to do it. I said. 
I said, all right. So I did. And now, like, I'm just, I feel like I'm going to have a hard time going back, going to, back to any of them. Like, I want to play, I still want to go back to five because five is one. It's like a glaring thing in my backlog. Mm-hmm. But, um, but dude, eight is so good. Mm-hmm. Everything about it's good. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> like we'll get we'll get into it because I gotta play it again. It's like, JRPGs, man. JRPGs. That's a fall of oh, yeah. genre. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dragon Quest VIII looks pretty yeah. good though. So I gave you a personal question. Like I feel comfortable with you asking this question. What do you guys want to see from this show? E three. No. A word of influence. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I got something written down. I got you. Okay. I got you for right now. Wait, that, I gave you that question, so. Uh, I'd like to uh, uh, as you guys are as you guys are a boy members I would like to see a listener mail section (laughs) Uh, take some take some uh, questions uh, or feedback on uh, the Facebook okay you should do that yeah or create a a email account a boy at nerds are locked in dot net do you have a Twitter for your podcast not for the podcast just for me but yeah at uh, nerds are locked in dot dungeon <laughs> dot dungeon <laughs> dungeon so uh uh i guess my other thing i'd like to see uh perry is a uh, regular uh release schedule like maybe every drop it every tuesday something like that <laughs> no 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 we go the joe rogan route okay i'm just giving you suggestions <laughs> no, stuff no. i like to see no because like i don't like like holding the podcast whatsoever because like we talked off air. It was like, well, we can go. You can go ahead and record episode eleven and go and have go ahead and uh, do episode ten at some point. Like, no, that just feels fake to me. I know podcasts do that, but like, I don't want to hold that because like, I don't want to go on saying, "Well, welcome to episode eleven when I know I haven't done episode 10. That's how I feel. Okay, it's your podcast, <laughs> yeah. man. No, I no, you guys are part of it now, and I mean that. Like, if there's any topic whatsoever that y'all want to talk about concerning video games. That's what it is, because, like, honestly, what this podcast is gearing up towards is that now that you guys have shown me what has impacted your life, like in video games, from here on out, if there's a video game that you're currently playing and you feel like it's a topic, bring it forth to me. We'll talk about it. Then The after effect is me seeing if I can be able to see the same views, if that makes sense. Sure. You got it. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, like, if, with that being said, like, I will buy a game for you if you need me to. Like, you say, well, I'm going to try that out. Okay, just pay me back later. Just tell me what you think of it. I, no, I'm serious. All right, get Toronto Trigger for SNES, then. No, I I have, I think I have a suggestion for your podcast. But it's something that you actually said the other day, I think. Oh, what's that? About podcasts. It's just like a, a theme song. Yeah, theme song. Get yourself a theme song. Theme songs are great, man. All yeah. the great podcasts have theme songs. No, it's a theme song, though. I don't know how to do music, so... But, hey! Outsource that shit, dude. Yeah, how you Hey, hey, boy, remember, how you doing? Uh, I don't know. How you doing, Let's get on the acoustic bro? issue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, <laughs> No, seriously. I, like, seriously, if there's yeah, anything, anything y'all want to talk about... <laughs> the dungeon, <laughs> Is there anything you want to talk about or bring forth? We will talk about it. Because, like, think of it as in, like, think of video games as a fun way that you enjoy it. Don't make it your job. Just because you even told me that. I'll make it my job eventually. Well, you'll make it your job. But you're but you're having fun with it. That's, That's the way to do it, sir. Like, you're having fun with it. Like, even Alex told me, like, I said, like, I think I'm going to review games. I'm like, does that make me dumb? He's like, no. You're going to have fun. Nope. Whatsoever. Like, you would enjoy doing it. Like, 
I don't know what it was about last year that makes me like, okay, I'm really into video games right now. And it just won't go away. And, like, this guy over here showed me Persona 5. My dad's over here playing Mass Effect. It's like, just feel like it's a good time just to play video games. It's never been a better time. <laughs> like, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. It feels that way. But with that being said, I can't do it by myself. I've said that t countless times because, like, different ideas have different opinions. So I feel as though we can bounce them around. Like we're in school or some shit. But in a good way. Yeah, because like, like, what's the game that you're playing the most right now, Alex? Dragon Quest Eight. Dragon Quest Eight. Mm -hmm. What's the game you're playing right no, the most? Or are you just on the wait mode because you're making well, your own video game? No, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm doing a lot of that a lot of the time, but uh, uh, I've been playing through L.A. Noir uh, for the first time, and uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <You're not laughs> I'm to, I've been trying to finish it, but. Uh, Boy, uh, it's rough. Because uh, I'll go ahead and go tell you right now. I'm only playing Persona 5. Here's, I'll give you my game list that we can talk about. I don't know if you'll play it. Uh, we can talk about it then. Right now, it's Persona 5. Mm -hmm. Next, it might be Nier. You should play a fucking game. Or it might be The Witcher. I'm up in the air. <laughs> I'm going to make I'm gonna make a vote for The Witcher. <laughs> you should probably finish The Witcher. But Nier, Nier Automata is one of the best games I've and ever played then, in my life. So. And then, Damn. That good? Yes. Yeah, like when I play, <laughs> you should, if you, you like play, if you, meta narratives, my friend, you should play oh, a fucking game. I'm all about some damn meta narratives. I'll tell you right now. I mean, like you like Ghost and Shell shit, so yeah. Well, it's even beyond that. Uh, I would summarize <laughs> Near Automata as a game about robot depression. It is so mm -hmm. good. So it's kind of uh, kind of a roundabout kind of thing. Then, so like, like, like when excellent. we do, like when we do that, well, let's say do that One Piece podcast, which is going to be Doomsday. <laughs> it's gonna be a doomsday or when we do the dragon quest podcast that's gonna be doomsday too it's really gonna be like an insight how do you think this has influenced somebody or how do you think it could that's what this podcast is called is a word of influence so how do you what do you see how can it, it might not influence you but how can you think you can see influencing someone else well apparently i'm a hard man to influence but <laughs> <laughs> is that right no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> i i don't know uh just like I feel like you give, you know, you out. You always ask people like what they're into, what they're playing, reading, whatever. Like I'm the most influenced by the art I enjoy, and, and I'm in, if I, get, I love it, <laughs> if I get art from other people, then that's going to influence my life in some way. So if your podcast brings me to something like near Automata, it's that <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> Thomas really wants to play it too. Please do it for him as I'll well. I'll just get it. I, I'll just so buy good. it, and I'll have us sit down and play together. <laughs> yeah. So. Like seriously, I have it, so yeah, we can do that for real. Like. It's cool. Like, just to think, I didn't listen to Frank Ocean as much until I talked to you, bro. Dude, that's, that's my dude. And, like, I'll go ahead and tell you, you need to listen to some Childish Gambino. I, I do listen to Childish Gambino. Do you? I'll put it on the list. I'll put it next to Frank Ocean. <laughs> oh, oh, my oh, gosh. I love Frank Ocean. Redbone. Redbone is so great. Is that his new album? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't listen to that one. You haven't? I don't like it much. Listen to Redbone. That's it. Okay. That's it. Just listen to the guitar. All right. No, listen. What they did with Ludwig, they said, so how did you make this shit? And they said, he said, oh, well, took a guitar, took a banjo. And you know, as you do. <laughs> I just did that. They thought he'd be like, just pre-recorded it. But I was looking up online. Because we'll go into a little comic book where I was like, it said, this is gear up. Gear up. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. 83%. 8.4 8. out of 10 
on IMDb. Don't be dropping IMDb stuff. Um, we're, we're, Nobody we're, cares about IMDb. Okay. okay. Seven point nine <laughs> on IGN, which is kind of like why don't you just give them the fucking eight? Why'd you even bring that up? <laughs> I got to. Are you guys ready for this Wonder Woman movie? So ready. Yeah. No, as a DC fan, you're ready. Oh, I'm so ready. Uh, ready. Uh, more as a, as a Wonder Woman fan and a Jeff Johns fan, I'm ready. Really? Jeff Johns co-wrote that movie, so that I'm ready to fucking see it. Yeah. Can you can you go ahead and tell me? I guess no spoilers. Who's who's her enemy? Uh, I mean the entire Greek pantheon. Oh, is that what it is? I, I don't know about the movie. Men's but, right activists. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to the internet. No, I mean, I she has a lot of different like Silver Age villains. Uh, but like I know in the most recent New Fifty Two stuff, uh, it's been more like the like uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Ares. Ares has been like one of her big villains, and and then of course there's the you know Barbara Ann Minerva, the cheetah, you know her classic joker style character i i don't know who the villain i think aries is in the movie okay, i don't know I don't, i've been staying know. away from everything like, you know how i felt I as well you yeah. guys know how i feel like this is my final straw with dc oh, i have so many more straws to give you with are DC Comics. you <laughs> are strong you, you are fans of it but like me trying to get into the series like I understand the approach with a serious tone because they are detective comics with that label you had to be a little They're more serious. Detectives. That's Every stupid. One. I don't well, agree with no. That. You don't think they should be a little more serious? No, I don't at all. You don't want them to be serious? Mm, I, they can be serious all they want, but do they have to be? No, that's absurd. You don't think they have to be? No, okay. not, absolutely not. No. But they, why, then why do they take the serious <laughs> tone then? Huh? Then why do they take the because serious tone? Because it was a creative so choice that someone... that they, they based the universe <laughs> on someone's creative choice when they made a movie that was not intended to start... A cinematic universe, oh, and yeah, that and movie they shit themselves. Yeah, and then they shit the bed. Is what happened. It's not. It's not that DC. I'm so tired of hearing that the DC is like a more dark universe. Like DC originated the fucking superhero genre. Like, su- do you think Superman's a dark character? No, I don't. Okay, mean. then like like detect. The only reason it's called Detective Comics is because Batman was so popular back then that they're like, well, shit, let's just call it Detective Comics. And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea, Julie. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Injustice is not really helping the dark. No, certainly not. Type. But even then, that's just like a that's just like a multiversal, like, alternate. Even in the game, yeah. it's an alternate it's universe. It's an alternate universe. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just saying, like, like, DC Comics is not about darkness. It's not about, like existentialism and murdering and all it's not about that it's not it's never been about that but like i said i like i feel like this one room is gonna be good i like uh like i said you were the guy that showed me to like the new 52 of wonder woman i'm like whatever it was pretty cool we were just wondering what exactly can hurt her because we're like because when you look at doomsday what do you mean like there's weakness weakness. weakness like what can actually hurt her sorry like, who's powerful? Well, okay, so here's the thing about... I'm just curious, is all. I know, but the thing about DC Comics characters, typically, is that they have a weakness. Like, DC Comics kind of... They used to be t- national comics, and that was, like, Superman, and there was action comics, detective comics, flash comics, Shazam comics, they all... Combined into one. I can't believe I can't I can't believe Dwayne Johnson is on Shazam and that's movie's not even made yet. Just saying. Anyway, they they all combined <laughs> into into one big company and uh, basically they were all superheroes modeled after Superman. Your Green Lantern, you know, your Flash, you know, all these characters. Wonder Woman was created by a guy named uh, William Marston, who was a feminist, he was a sexual uh, freedom advocate, he was a person who like 
really believed in bondage, golden lasso, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Um, he didn't create Wonder Woman flawed because she was supposed to be an advocate of females. And he wanted her to be a champion for women, yeah, something to represent women. them. You know, he, he didn't feel like he needed to, he didn't put a weakness in that character specifically for that reason. Uh, but whereas like Superman, you know, as Kryptonite, Green Lantern had the color yellow, you know, the Flash had subatomic particles being frozen that would slow him down because, you know, he runs fast and stuff. Wonder Woman is kind of above that in a way. So she doesn't really have a weakness. I mean, like I said, I just think it's going to be interesting because like we were just talking like, what? Like, what can she do? Like, what? what is her weakness? Because she just felt doomsday and, like, wrecked the whole fucking thing. So I was like, what? Anything in her world? Yeah, I world? mean, that's the thing about DC Comics that I always tell people is they're always, like, Superman's way overpowered. He's a stupid character. It's like, you have a fundamental misunderstanding about <laughs> the complexities of DC Comics. Like, there are so many very powerful characters. It's like, it's like... In Dragon Ball, when you have like four or five different characters who can level up and have the golden spiky hair, you know, it's like, oh, they're all pretty powerful, you know? It's a lot like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, people just have, they get this image in their head of Christopher Reeves flying around the planet three times to a bunch of times to see, you know, like turn back time. And they're like, that's Superman. It's like, I mean, not really. Well, that's movie, though. I, <laughs> I love that movie. I, lo- I love the first two Superman movies. <laughs> that is DC to me. That is my Superman. That is DC Comics to me. You know what I'm saying? Superman. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like that too. I mean, I don't really have the comic link, but you know, watching a lot of those cartoons growing up, they all have that same kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I would, like honestly, I thought the, my favorite part in like Batman vs Superman was the big opening scene. That was probably my favorite part of that fucking movie. The death thing. Like, yeah, the, when he gets his fucking legs crushed. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Talk about like uh, the host. The host. The host. <laughs> The whole, like, him seeing Superman, like, Ben Affleck. He never received any of my tricks. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, you're not going to find a fan of BBS with me. Um, Movie's like six hours long, You were so into it, though, at first. That's because, um, say you like a sports team, and that sports team is getting its ass handed to it, and you're just like, but I love that team, and I, I have to champion them even when they lose. That's what BVS was. That was my team losing. And I was like, I need to represent these guys because I love them so much. But you know what? I came to the conclusion that I don't have to fucking support a bad movie if it's bad. And that movie's bad. And I don't want to fucking burn the cross for it anymore. So how do you feel about Suicide Squad? It sucks. It's real bad. I've seen that movie. It's it. I felt like a terrible movie. Batman vs Superman is so fucking terrible. I didn't want to be part of that. Like, the, the problem with Batman vs Superman is like there are some cool scenes in it. But, yeah, there are. But, like, overall as a movie, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. They try to do so much in two hours, and it's just not there. You mean six? Because that movie felt about six hours long in the theater. The thing is, is that Sean and I are going to watch all of the DC movies. Well, not going to watch Suicide Squad. But we're going to watch Man of Steel and BBS. Because I got the extended cut, and I have yet to see the extended cut. You're mad, man. But the thing, well, the thing is, is that I have enough love for those characters that I can at least sit down and watch the extended cut one time. And I'm going to. I have yet to do it. I haven't seen it since the month the movie came out. I saw it twice, haven't seen it again. But I'm going to sit down and we're going to watch Man of Steel again, which... Crack? Whatever. And then and then we're going to watch BVS, so we'll see. But that That's funny as fuck, though, because like, I can't watch Man of Steel. I can't either. <laughs> I mean... Snyder does some really pretty directing. 
man. Hey, man, Watchmen man. is the best comic book adaptation of all time. Like, hands down, if you like that comic, you like that movie. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, who's your favorite villain? Overall. Overall, Marvel and DC. Marvel, Marvel and DC. This is a really good thing. I looked it up several times. Because I was like, I had this I no conversation. Idea. My answer might surprise you. Because uh, this is more recent, like, past two years. Um, Doctor Doom is my favorite really? villain in all comics. That's cool. I don't have an answer for you, Perry. Second would be Reverse Flash. Really? Damn. As in, like, Professor Zoom from the 60s. Not no, like the TV no, version. No, no, I don't watch the CW. I'm not gonna tell you the Joker because I'd be a fuck boy. Dude, you can say it. You're not gonna be a fuck boy. No, like, like that's the number one. Is that Joker? I was like, well, for me, I thought we'd go Joker than Lex Luthor. I just really like that story between those two. Which one? Never ending. Oh, Batman and Joker. Yeah, they're never ending. Yeah. Like I said, I thought it'd be like number one Joker and number two Lex Luthor overall. Just how I felt. I love both of those villains. Every one said Joker. But then number two was always, which surprised the fuck out of me. You're actually reading these comics right now, so you might be able to tell me. Number two was always Magneto. Oh yeah, Magneto's great. It's because he's, he's is he a villain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's definitely a, like okay. So I'm getting into X Men right now. I, I've never really. I think we might have talked about it last time I was over here. But I'm getting into them right now, and I'm reading stuff about Magneto, and he's done some dastardly shit. Yeah. But like, you know, he through the years he's been evolved. Oh, you know, so many different times he's, his directives and his intentions have changed into like anti-heroisms a lot. But um I don't know. Magneto's a great villain because he in the same sense that Doctor Doom is a great villain because you can understand his motivations. He's not just like Jonathan Hickman, a famous writer, comic book writer, said that Doctor Doom doesn't just twirl his mustaches. Yeah. So I, I feel like uh, Magneto's the same thing. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's gonna be interesting seeing. How do you feel about Guardians of the Galaxy? Have you both seen it? It's great. Amazing. People say it's an origin story, but it didn't feel like an origin story. Mm, I guess it's more yeah. character. It's another character study. That's why I really like the, those movies and yeah. movies like that. I, I would totally agree with what he said. Yeah. So we have that, and then next month we have Spider-Man. I'm so excited. I already saw that movie. It was like three minutes long. <laughs> I don't watch trailers anymore. No, I actually, I actually haven't seen that trailer. I just all my friends have been telling me that they specifically told me not to watch it. Which I haven't been watching trailers since the BBS. I haven't watched a full trailer since BBS. Did you watch Last Shadow? Trailer? Oh yeah, fucking watch that that's one. A, yeah, that's that's it. Easy, that's though. different. Like I'm gonna watch the fucking Star Wars trailer. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit. But like ever since BBS, I've just been burned. Like I didn't want to know that Doomsday was in the movie, and they told me, and that broke my heart because it's like. Fuck. Well, as many trailers I gave you, you gave you like 10 minutes of the movie. But just in, just imagine there's a world where you go see BBS and you have no fucking clue Doomsday's in the movie. Yeah. Just imagine being in that theater and or then not, all the fucking sudden Doomsday's there. And you're not, like, well, hot damn. Or not knowing Wonder Woman was in it. That would have been interesting. Well, I mean, I understand Wonder Woman. I'm just saying, like, I feel like maybe things might have been different if they didn't blow their load with Doomsday for that movie. It's still a boring-ass movie. It's still a dumb fucking movie, but I'm just saying maybe that could have given it a little bit of extra. Like, well, shit, that's a twist. Martha, <laughs> the biggest joke ever. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, I, somebody wrote that down and thought it was play great and went, yeah, this is yeah. good. This is outstanding. Those comic fans will fucking lead this up. I need to pat myself on the back for this. 
Well, like I said. The original superhero team <laughs> bonding over their mothers. I thought you liked Martha. The Flash in the movie, at least. So, like, oh, The Flash. He's like in the movie for, I don't know, five seconds. What? Oh, this one's on. for five seconds. Flash. The Flash. Uh-huh. The he scene was there he, in a flash. The scene, exactly. <laughs> but but the, the scene, the scene he was in the movie is actually my favorite because it, I won't get into it, but it's a direct callback to a, a thing that happens in the comics. What in the world? I just thought the Batman Frank Miller thing was cool. What are you talking about? I was cool. telling, oh, like where the lightning strikes and like Batman shoots over. Yeah, it's the cover. I was like, oh, that's cool. And oh, so, I was, uh, I was like, are you talking about like when his parents get killed? Because it's like <laughs> frame for frame. I mean, it's harder that time. origin story, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's neat how they did that. I was like, huh. That's why I was saying like scenes in the movie are cool because like like even whenever Bruce sits down at the back computer, which I just love saying that, but when whenever, whenever Alfred says like, you know, you'll be a criminal, must Bruce, and Bruce is like, we've always been criminals, Alfred. Like that. That's one of those moments where I'm just like. Yes, because that, that's from The Dark Knight Rises. And man, I was so happy in that moment, but then you know the rest of the movie happened. So, yeah, but the thing Which is, what are uh, talking about? BVS. BVS. Okay. Did, you, did you feel like it was necessary? <laughs> yep. Did you uh, feel like it was necessary for them to tell the origin story of Batman again? I feel like he wanted to do those scenes from The Dark Knight Returns. That's all it fucking was to it. <laughs> I mean, because that's all it was. Because, like, I feel like if you've seen the first story, like, Christian Bells, you won't need to see another origin story. Can we just not talk about Christian Bell? He just wanted to see the <laughs> I know girls. you don't like it. He just wanted to do the scene. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, Zack Snyder, for all his faults, like, and I don't have anything against the guy personally. I just feel like he makes a lot of executive choices that don't work out. Yeah. Like, I love his adaptation of Watchmen. I'm not crazy about... Um, what he's doing with the, your DC yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about what he's doing with Superman and Batman. That's just me. Yeah. But anyway, like, um, if he does, he can adapt a comic book. Like he really mm-hmm. can. Like scene for scene, really well and dramatically, the music and everything, fantastic. The entire movie of Watchmen is exactly the comic book, and that and that's what a lot of its faults are. Is that it's literally the comic book. But like, I don't know. Like yeah. I said, the problem with BBS and those scenes is that then the rest of the movie happens. Well, as we all know, this he had to step away from Justice League, but hope he feels better. Like it's not cool to lose anyone over suicide. Yeah, it's some, bull- some bullshit. I'm not sorry. He's a great visual director. Yeah, like I said, I'm not That's, sure I feel sorry. Yes, he should be a director of cinematography, but should he write and direct movies? No. Yeah, well, probably not. Maybe direct, just not. <laughs> he takes so much of a hands-on role on the screenplays. That's that my problem. Like, like him and uh, what's his name, David S. Goyer, the guy that wrote yep. Man of Steel and BBS. Just get him the fuck away from the yeah. DC universe because he does not belong there. Like, like I said, I hope. Like I really am hoping that Wonder Woman is gonna blow me away. It should. A lot of people oh, say it's their favorite since you know. I can't. I can't. I don't want to believe that movie's bad, and I don't want to believe what people are starting to say. Because, like, because I hate saying it like this. Overhype. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I like I say it because I don't know the universe. If I think it's good, like, overall, critics think it's, like, terrible. But a fan like Alex or, like, you go in and say this movie's trash, who do I believe? Yourself, Perry. No, you not, not even that. Not even that, because, like, you guys are going to see some shit in it that I don't see. So if you might be like, man, let me go back and read this shit. I doubt I'm going to think it's shit. It looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to get that kind of story wrong. And I, I, I mean, it's a World War One story, for instance. I mean, uh, from what I understand, it is a perfect mixture of, of uh, the first Captain America movie, which I love, mm-hmm. and uh, Christopher Reeve's original Superman movie, which I also love. So... 
I can't think of anything like that's the ideal movie for me. Like that's exactly what I want from this movie. That's exactly what I thought too. Like I thought of the first Captain America movie like immediately when I was, and I was like, which is great because I mean that's my favorite. I mean, besides the fact that he's a Nazi, now you know like the I love that movie. I genuinely love all three of the Captain America movies. Like, but yeah, they're probably. I'd say Winter Soldier is probably my favorite. Wait, can you really say Civil War was a Captain America movie? Fuck yeah, I can. Yeah, <laughs> it's still. I I'd say he's still the main character in the movie. I say he's in the movie more than any other character. Felt like Avengers two point five, bro. That doesn't make it any less a Captain America movie. <laughs> it's exactly, but the character art still—it all revolved around. Him. Yeah, it looks yeah, like him and Bucky. I feel like that movie made me like Captain America, but not the other two. Really? I fell asleep through one. Which Dude, the first one? Like I went to the movie theaters and fell asleep through it all. Dude, I I love Civil War, but Winter Soldier is not only the greatest Captain America. No, story, like I like it just in general. Ever written by Ebru Baker in the in the mid two thousands. But the adaptation of that movie, like I was talking about Watchmen, that movie's fan-fucking-fantastic. No, that's, that's it's really it. good. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, like, it, it it adapts the story perfectly. Like, and even for the inconsistencies of, like, oh, we don't have the rights to this character. It still did it fucking yeah. so well. Like, See, I, enjoy, like, I enjoyed it. Like, no point. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Like, I was just... Like, Winter Soldier? For some yeah, reason, when I saw the, the like, the trailer for it, I was like, this shit looks on point. Let me go watch this. And that's what it is. Now, as we conclude, because like it's like nah, I never looking tired. We're good. So, you got anything plugged? Anything good? When's this music video coming out? Not music video, but uh, still around two weeks. I can't really say anything right now because we're going through some changes. Uh, we just announced our the guitar players leaving the band. So under that NDA, huh? Yeah, not really. It's just <laughs> it's just that like we we have a song we're planning on releasing at some point in the future, but I I can't say because I don't know when it's gonna be. It's it's not like I, I can't. It's just that I don't know when it's yeah, gonna be, so that's why I can't yeah, say anything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, people can still go like my band's Facebook page, and if we play any shows, come see us. We're gonna do a goodbye show for a guitar player in August, so that should be fun. Mm-hmm. What about you, Seth? How's the gaming go? Like I played a little bit earlier, but like so. It's not really ready to really talk about yet. Still yeah. prototyping. Um, I'm not going to say possible studio name yet because I uh, haven't registered it, nor have I, you know, yeah, dude, done any of the business work associated with doing that. Uh, but all the shit, But you're going the right path now. But yeah, I'm so I'm still working on it. Updates to come. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, next time we see you guys will be what E3. It'll be interesting. Is that two weeks from now? Oh, oh my gosh, 11 days. <laughs> 11 days. Actually, 10 days, because it starts on a Saturday. You already established this. That's <laughs> I know, I know. You're going to bust my balls this whole time we do these podcasts. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for sticking in for uh, Word of Influence episode 11. We just had a big A-Way moment. A-Way? I don't know why. Yeah, we actually nerds were locked in a little bit. It's like it's about time ahead, both of y'all, because like just to think you're you were a game designer or trying to be have your own studio. You are like one of my closest friends, and I mean that by the bottom of my heart. Just like like we met like two years ago. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> like seriously, like we met two years ago at a comic book shop. You're playing Magic. You're bu- I'm playing Magic: The Gathering. You're buying comic books. It was just perfect. We gotta play some too. <laughs> Huh? That's my life. <laughs> this, this has been episode 11. Check us out on Facebook. I gotta make the page soon. Check the, uh, check the root podcast out. 
on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any of your podcast directories. Make a review, leave feedback, and we'll get with you. And like the next time you'll see these two AOA members will be the first ever E3 event that we do. So catch you later, guys. Peace. Do, 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 do. Fly right into the...